0: me a go-no-go no go for launch. Just when you think you're out, they pull you back in. I was going to say something that was not true. I, I don't know why we do these. Let's make film history. history.
1: Uh, go for launch.
0: Welcome back, everybody, to the
1: Almost Sideways podcast. This is episode 174. We are recording this on Sunday, May 8th, 2022 at 5 p.m. Pacific time. Happy Mother's Day to all you mothers out there, because that's definitely our demographic of who's listening. Uh, (laughs) And all
2: you mother effers out there.
1: Well, there you go. There you go
2: uh Bad i your host terry
1: plucked it. we've got we've got todd we've got zach how's it going guys
2: wonderful good i just saw a preview for a movie with mark rylance as a golfer have you guys seen that preview no <laughs> i keep thinking about it oh my gosh this looks like the most terry movie ever have you heard about it todd it sounds familiar but i don't remember it it had a great title too. it was like Phantom of the Golf Course or something. let me look it up real fast but it, it it's with Mark Rylance and uh it just it looked amazing of um, uh, Phantom of the Open that's that's what it was called Just Phantom look up
1: the, of the open.
2: Look up the trailer and uh, yeah it's' uh, Sally Hawkins yeah it's, <laughs> it, it's pretty awesome. I'm sorry, I'm going stream of consciousness but uh, it it's been on my mind since this morning and i, I think said. It, i think terry has to see it i'm excited yeah i do i have review. seen this preview i need to see that preview
1: well i saw i saw previews this weekend for um uh it's
0: written by the, the guy who's in the wheelchair and the fundamentals of caring oh wow <laughs>
1: that's random. Like that kid he's he's like
0: 25 oh, years old or something yeah
1: okay okay yeah i uh i, I what's his name craig roberts is that his name
0: yeah
2: Dude, I got that. I don't know how i
1: corrected
0: directed that one by him. Out. Not written I, by him.
2: I have a theory, Terry. I think this is gonna become the new vantage point trailer. I have a feeling we're gonna be inundated with this trailer for the next new jackass, uh uh forever trailer, new whatever you want to call it, because this trailer has everything. I know I sound like Stefan, but it's got like, you know, the downtrodden Scottish old guy who's like, Oh, I'm gonna go play some golf. And it's got some amazing golf highlights, a million and one long shot, bigger long shot than the horse this weekend. It just it looks as, like that a spectacular, was a spectacular trailer, spectacular movie. Cool.
1: Yeah, I saw I saw the um the trailer when I went to the movies. I saw the trailer for the first time of is it Don't Worry Darling? Is that what it's called? Yeah. Yeah.
0: I have uh, the, seen the that. new
1: Olivia Wilde movie oh, with okay. uh, Florence Pugh and Harry Styles. Holy there we cow. go. It is like hailing hardcore all of a sudden.
2: I've heard that movie gets uh very naughty. Naughty with uh <laughs> yeah, some some nice uh, R-rated scenes. Yeah, uh, maybe and some Adrian Line territory. We were talking about him last couple weeks. I very very exciting stuff there.
1: And then and then uh first uh first time I saw the Avatar 2 trailer as well. Same. So all right well can you guys hear that
2: yes yeah okay
1: (laughs) i mean it's like the street is now white this is that's pretty insane how quickly
0: that that escalated
1: (laughs) that escalated quickly all right well uh Make sure you're subscribing, rating, reviewing wherever you can find us. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Stitcher. We're on Spotify. We're on Anchor. We're on Castbox. We're on Podcast Addict. That's where Todd and I usually tune in. Uh, so, yeah, subscribe. Just download them all and subscribe to all of them in all the apps. It, it, it's good stuff. All right, Zach, what are we drinking?
2: I'm drinking some fabulous Chateau Vieux Manoir some French movies we're going to be talking about on this podcast. And, uh, you know, just like Jeremy iron says, the three rules of life are cheat, be first or be smarter. The three rules of wine are a uh, point system above 90, be under $10 and be French. And that's it. It's beautiful rules. It's good. Simple. Rules.
1: It's good. It's good.
2: It's delicious. Todd.
0: Well, I'm drinking a sokatini which <laughs> hails from Japan, not France, and I have uh, pickles in here for some reason. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, it kind of tastes good. I didn't have any onions or or olives, so
1: it, it it's washing down that homemade uh, sushi you made this afternoon.
0: Precisely, homemade sushi, cleansing this palate.
1: Yeah, yeah. He he he. Uh, he Mother's Day homemade sushi this afternoon. Wow. Yeah. So
2: wait, but you guys aren't together though, right? How how did Karen celebrate Mother's Day?
1: With homemade sushi made by Todd and Trish. That's <laughs> oh, there we go. Okay, that's how, that's and, how and, it and happened. I was not there. Alcohol. I was not there. Yeah. All right. So I've got I I finally cleared out my fridge enough this week that I felt like I could get back to the brewery, and so I got a growler filled. And this beer I gotta I gotta look at the name again. It's from Ridge Walker Brewery in Forest Grove. Check them out; they're amazing. Uh, this is their Darko Fresca Strawberry Mexican lager. And I went in looking for something else. And then uh and then I I tasted this. And I mean, you can tell it's a strawberry beer. And it's wow. not a sour. It just tastes like like strawberry puree lager. It's it is the like the most refreshing beer I've ever tasted. Like this is like the perfect summer beer here. So uh yeah. It's pretty awesome. Mm.
2: Perfect for a hailstorm.
1: Perfect for a hailstorm. It's still hailing, but all the white is gone now. Now it's just all wet. It all melted.
2: It's okay. I was tu- saying though, Tuesday here it's supposed to be hundred degrees.
1: <clears throat> I was just telling someone today we've had two days over seventy so far this year.
0: That's all we've had. We've had one. But there was a tornado in Spokane, (laughs) so
1: wow! And 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 Tuesday night we're supposed to be below freezing.
2: Yeah, this is this is riveting content here. This is like those those auto commercials. Are you turning into your parents? Like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, when you have stuff
1: when you actually have substantive conversation about the weather. Yeah. Um.
2: Soon we're gonna be talking about baseball.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, (laughs) Mariners won today. There you go. Broke a seven-game losing streak. Okay, we're moving into into movies now that's why we're here that's why you're here probably probably i'm guessing that's why you're listening is because you want to hear us talk about movies anyways uh we're going to start with what we've been watching this week i'm gonna go first and i'm going back 20 years for my oscar watch uh to a best animated uh nominee uh how many of these do i have left for 2002 i don't know i'll have to look that up but Uh, I'm talking about Treasure Planet. Have either of you guys seen Treasure Planet?
2: No. I think I actually have.
1: Okay, so Treasure Planet is the futuristic adaptation of Treasure Island. Um, Let's see here. Just looking really quick. Yeah, this is the third. I I hadn't seen any of the animated nominees from 2002, and so this is the third of the five, so I have two more to go. Um, And this movie, yeah, it's Futuristic adaptation of Treasure Island uh your main character is uh is Jim Hawkins voiced by Joseph Gordon-Levitt as he's trying to find his own way and he decides to head out on this uh on this treasure hunt as he was given this like futuristic and the the ship eventually gets taken over by uh by some some pirates as as it tends to do uh eventually he runs into some weird combination of like Uh, of C-3PO and the genie from Aladdin voiced by Martin Short. Um, And he becomes the comic side character. Uh, This movie's a mess. Uh, it, It is trying way, way too hard to be futuristic and trying way too hard to be interesting for kids. My son loved it. I couldn't follow what was going on because it was just trying so much to throw all these weird crazy stuff in there if I remember right this movie like bombed and it kind of killed the traditional animation for the Disney studio for a long time um but uh yeah it's it's not that great of a movie I'm giving it one and a half stars um Ouch. yeah I just couldn't follow it and it wasn't it wasn't interesting enough it, it was trying like I said trying way too hard the the coolest thing about it I will say, is uh, is Jim's mother, the main character's mother in it, is also voiced by Laurie Metcalf, uh, who is just kind of the mother of the late '90s after she voiced uh, Andy's mom in uh, in Toy Story. So, oh yeah, one and a half stars. Nah.
2: Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had not seen it. I had seen Atlantis, oh, which to me okay. is the same movie. <laughs> and of and, and maybe that Stinbad, The Legend of the Seven Seas movie, you could also rope that in there. I think all animators should have just stayed away from seaboard movies in the early 2000s. So I, I haven't
1: I haven't seen Atlantis. However, I watched Treasure Planet on Disney Plus, And once it was over, you know, it says you might also like it was Atlantis. That was the next one that popped mm. up. <laughs> like, I will not. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right, Todd, you're next.
0: Uh, I watched a movie, I think we mentioned it last week or the week before, it is a Hulu movie called Crush, directed by Sammy Cohen. It's from American High Productions, which apparently only do like high school movies. Uh, they did Plan B last year, they did Big Time Adolescence, and a movie we review called Banana Split, which I did not like. Uh, so not exactly the best track record, but <laughs> I guess it's cool that they're making only like new age high school movies, but... They're all, like, direct-to-streaming because they have this deal with Hulu. Uh, Rowan Blanchard is the main character. She plays Paige, and she's this nerdy lesbian girl. And she's got this, like, crazy crush on Gabriella, who's played by um, Isabella Ferreira. And she's, like, a really popular girl. And in true, like, 90s high school movie fashion, like, she decides, oh, she's on the track team. I'm going to join the track team and we'll fall in love. And but she ends up developing feelings for somebody else, of course, because that's the way these movies work. Um, the rest of the cast is a Alou- i Alou- Alou- Carvalho, never gonna remember how to say that. Uh, American Vandals, uh, Tyler Alvarez is in it, who's like 27, still playing a high schooler. His love interest is uh, Tia LaDunn, who at least is the same age as he is, but it's still way too old. Megan Malali is also in this. Um, seeing Rowan Blanchard older and like not neurotic is entertaining for a while. She's actually pretty good in this. Uh, the movie kind of feels like like a like a sort of like an episode of Saved by the Bell reboot or something it's like super woke it's very specific it has like a chaotic editing to it it's basically a tv series crammed into a 90 minute package and there's some moments that actually have sincerity but uh I don't know it's not really book smart it's 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 like a sort of sitcom-ish like the whole way through so like, like plan b and banana split this is kind of a disappointment I should have known better but I mean I wanted to see what Roman Blanchard was up to so I'm giving it two stars
1: I was interested in that movie because of Rowan Blanchard. So I'm glad you watched it for me. And you mentioned something that made me remember. I watched Booksmart for the first time this week. And my word is that movie brilliant. Just brilliant. Zach
2: was not a fan of that movie, right? I I thought it was a little overrated. I I, I should see it again. The my f- claim to fame with that movie is I saw that movie two hours before a tornado hit Lawrence. So to bring it back full full <laughs> tilt to the weather, that kind of impacted my memory of it. But Books part is an amazing bad. movie.
1: Better than super bad.
2: Oh, that's ridiculous. Now come on. Come but on.
0: It, now. It, it it wants to be super bad. It's I mean it's they're they're similar ish, I guess, but it's not super bad.
1: You're right. It's not, it's better um all right
2: (laughs) Jonah's little sister
1: (laughs) that's uh, that's my hot take for the day all right Zach what'd you watch this week
2: okay I just got back from the theater I saw Vortex the new movie by Enfant Terrible is that how you say it uh Gasper Noah and uh you know we're a fan of him on this podcast I know I believe Todd was a pretty big fan of Climax which I have not seen I was a big fan of Enter the Void especially anytime you got ejaculating penises it's just great uh and especially in 3D um I also like irreversible uh which is certainly not aged well but it's actually an interesting movie if you know you can like pause it and then throw up and then come back to it maybe after a couple days after a few showers anyway uh vortex only apparently he only makes movies with one one word names uh vortex stars uh the great director uh Dario Argento and Francois LeBlanc as a married couple and their names are never revealed And uh, they are both in their late 70s and both of them, well, one of them maybe especially uh, has uh, dementia and they are both kind of decaying in their uh, Paris apartment. And the movie is a Gaspar Noah movie, so it's got to be a little bit different. It's got to be a little bit gimmicky and edgy. And so his gimmick this time is to make it the whole thing split screen. So uh, for the two-hour-plus running length, you're watching his perspective and hers perspective. And sometimes they overlap, sometimes (laughs) they don't. They do have a son in the movie, a grown son named Stefan. He's played by Alex Lutz. And, uh, you know, the movie is obviously coming off the heels of Amour and more recently The Father. And it's impossible to watch this movie and not think about those movies because they are also about people with dementia, Alzheimer's, whatever you want to call it, uh, in an apartment complex. Um, And like those two movies, this is an incredibly affecting, uh, beautifully acted, beautifully rendered movie. I think it's actually Gaspar Noah's best movie. Um, Gaspar Noah is known for his kind of shocking uh, violence and brutality, and sort of unremitting uh, look at uh, people's, uh, you know, mistreatment of one another. This movie is certainly less of that, but it is pretty hard to watch at times. Um, and I won't necessarily say why, but it's, I mean, you can kind of follow along the lines of where these people are going. Their, their trajectory doesn't look that that uh, uplifting. Um, I read a review on rogerebert.com about this movie that quoted a, a line from Citizen Kane that I really love, which is that uh, death is the only ailment for which the cure is worse than the disease. I think that's a great kind of way of looking at this movie. And uh, I thought this movie was brilliant as brilliant as the father or, uh... Uh, a more, I don't know, but they're different movies, I guess, or maybe they're part of the same sort of uh, trilogy. They're they're a great trilogy if you want to feel miserable and start fearing death, I guess, but uh, I, I was blown away by this movie. I don't want to say too much more about it because I believe at least Todd will see this movie. Uh, it's best to go in with as little knowledge as possible, and I give it four stars, and it's now my number one of, of 2022. Not that there's a whole lot of other options, but uh, it's really really an outstanding piece of work from a pretty interesting director taking a zag that's sort of unexpected and uh yeah i think it it's, it's it holds up every bit as well as the father does
1: wow wow that's some high praise yeah, we'll have i'm to interested see to see it now. i
0: mean i i'm not i'm actually not a huge Gaspar Noé fan i'm always intrigued by what he's doing but i don't know if i've actually ever fully loved any of his movies but that sounds This one sounds really good.
2: Yeah, and what I love about this, and again, I'll I'll tread lightly here, but like the father, you you don't know too much about these characters at the start of the movie because you're kind of placed in their frame of mind, which is one of having no memory of anything. But gradually, you kind of pick up the pieces with these characters and uh it's just it's, it's absolutely fascinating Dario argento in this movie is is really awesome as an actor i've never seen him act before apparently he's had cameo cameos in his movies i guess but like he's kind of astonishing in this movie and and so is uh french uh francoise lebron and it's just, I don't know, there's there's some images from this movie that I, I'm not going to forget anytime soon, and uh, I hope it's a movie, it's not a movie that's going to be a mass appeal in any sort of way, but, you know, if you want good storytelling, you want impactful messaging, and you don't want freaking Doctor Strange, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a good uh, option uh, for those of us who actually uh, don't want to see, there was only one other person in the movie theater that I saw it with, so hey, that was, uh, you know, that's hey, if two people can see it, I guess that's better than no people, so there we go. There you go. Get it into libraries.
1: Let the people decide.
2: Let the people decide.
1: There we go. All right. So that's what we've been watching. Now to our featured reviews. We have two of them this week.
2: I love this movie so much.
1: I did not really like this film at all.
2: This is the most Zach movie ever made. You got to see it.
1: Movie reviews. Two of us watched the movie that was in theaters this week that every that was Hard to miss, and then um, then Zach went and saw a movie that was on Todd's top ten list that was just finally released in theaters. So we're going to talk about that one too. Uh, but we're going to start with uh, the latest installment in the MCU saga, and this is Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness.
0: Every night, I dream the same dream. Then the nightmare begins. I did what I had to do. To protect our world. You cannot control everything, strange.
1: You opened the doorway between universes. We don't know who or what will walk through it. Wanda, what do you know about the multiverse? Viz had his theories. He believed it was dangerous.
0: He was right. I'm sorry, Stephen. Your desecration of reality. We should tell him the truth. Things just got out of hand. You break the
1: rules. Look out! become a hero. I do it, I become the enemy. superhero movies like i said zach didn't see this one i'm sure he'll have some pithy comments as we go along though uh todd i'm gonna start with you on on this one tell us all about dr strange and uh and what you thought
0: okay so dr steven strange or some version of him starts out the movie battling up uh, some being i guess uh with america chavez played by exachitel gomez who is a younger girl who can jump from universe to universe? Uh, they inadvert- inadvertently sort of jump into the universe we know, and uh, where Strange saves her from a giant octopus, and uh, find out that what happened before wasn't a dream, which is the way it plays, which is the way it seemed like it was, but it was actually happening in some other universe. And he finds out that there's this whole like demon sorcery thing going on, and eventually finds out that Wanda, the Scarlet Witch, Elizabeth Olsen, is responsible for the current destruction and haunt- hunting of Chavez. The plot, as you can tell, is kind of a mess because I couldn't even really describe it properly. There is a, um, there actually isn't a whole lot of plot initially. Like you're just sort of like jumped into the action for the sake of action. It's actually kind of boring in that sense, but at least for a while. And the special effects initially are pretty dated and ugly, like a bad CGI Nolan movie or something. But Cover batch is great. Elizabeth Olsen finally gets her moment to shine. Like there are times when she has this like Amy Adams persona kind of thing going on, and she has like a lot of emotion that makes her maybe the most interesting villain the MCU has had. But and there there are some touches of like Raimi Slasher stuff. Um like but it's more like Underworld than it is like Evil Dead. And but the demons and like the summoning of the corpses actually looks pretty legit. There's also a really cool battle with music notes. Like I, I think T- Terry probably loved that part. Yeah. Um <laughs> the, the ending battle is the coolest part of the movie it becomes looper almost in a way but uh, the main problem with the movie other than the fact that it makes no sense is that the stakes are always really low regardless of how much death and destruction is happening because we are established in the first few scenes that whoever dies if it's strange or whoever we like we'll just go jump to another universe and we'll start the we'll continue the story with that person and I know that's not exactly how it works but they sure as all well made it seem like that's the way it was so Everything seems really inconsequential because we were, like, we were given that that note right off the bat. But, um and it, I mean, it, it, I don't know. I, I, I guess I'm also kind of done with multiverses. Like, I mean, it's probably good that the Spider-Verse movie was pushed to next year. It's probably a good strategy there. It's just, I was just disappointed by this. Like, the horror elements aren't what they were made out to be. I think Doctor Strange, the first one, was one of my, like, six or seven favorite MCU movies. So I was, like, tricked myself into actually being excited for this. But I was kind of let down. Especially in the first half, the second half does have some moments that are pretty, pretty good. But uh, I'm, I'm sitting at two and a half stars on this one.
1: Yeah, I don't know what it was about this movie, but I really didn't, never got too excited for it as as it was coming up. I it just wasn't piquing my interest at all. Um,
0: Were you a yeah, fan of the first one?
1: I, I was a decent fan of the first one. For whatever reason, I didn't. I don't think I saw the first one in theaters. I saw it I afterwards at, at home. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't know what it was about this, but uh, it, it never really piqued my interest going into it. Um, I thought it was interesting. Sam Raimi was directing it. Uh, Todd, you mentioned kind of the cheesy, not that great CGI at the beginning and special effects. You know what? If it felt like 2002 Spider-Man, like there, like there's a scene where there's a girl on a ledge and I'm like, I just watched this last week when we did our deep dive of Spider-Man. He's just using the exact same effects he used 20 years ago. Uh, which I actually kind of thought was cool. That, that was, that was a neat little callback of to, to what he's done before. Um, yeah, I wasn't that impressed by this movie either. I was trying to gather my thoughts on it and I feel like this movie now, Todd, you didn't see WandaVision. Um, right. and you said that you felt like this was Elizabeth Olsen's time to shine. It, it's not WandaVision was her time to shine and she shown, she shined brightly in that. Um, this felt like it was trying to be an extra last episode of WandaVision. It's not as it's not a Doctor Strange movie. It's trying to be like an epilogue to WandaVision that nobody wanted and nobody needed. Her motives don't make any sense if you saw WandaVision, um, and uh, and it and like you're like you were saying too, the the stakes just feel low. It it feels like
0: this movie because if only he dies, we're makes... just gonna wake up again in another universe, right? You're right,
1: right, right, and 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 it <laughs> feels like more than any more. I mean, they, they've been doing this, but it felt like more than any other movie, this felt like one that was just advancing the MCU plot, not necessarily actually trying to be a, its own standalone movie. And I, I think some of the earlier MCU movies, what made them great, like the first Iron Man, like and, and I know we're both fans of Incredible Hulk and the, the first couple Captain America movies, they're great movies that you can watch in a vacuum and not know anything else of what's going on and have a lot of fun with them. This, you need so much background and backstory to understand what's going on. And it's just taking you from one place to the other. And I don't know, I'm getting kind of tired of where they're taking the MCU. Uh, I'm I've, I've got, where do I have this? I think I, I settled it. Uh, yeah. I settled at two stars. I, I was, I was just disappointed. It didn't, it, it was, it, it just kind of left me as, eh,
0: yeah. So similar to how you felt about like Black Widow, or how everyone felt about Black Widow, it's just like we we didn't need this. It's just well, it, it's
1: not it's not only that it, it's it's not a standalone movie. It can't be its own well, thing.
0: So, but in a way, okay. So if Scarlet Witch wasn't had no connection to Doctor Strange, would it have been different? If, if this was just like some diabolical villain, I think it would have been. I, mean, a dif- I think it would. It have it would have, I
1: think I think you're right. I think it would have been. It would have been different. Like it, it if. If it would have actually been what the trailer made it out to be of of Scarlet Witch and Doctor Strange going up against some new some new villain that might have even been the Chiwetel 4 character. That would have been fine, but it kind of made it feel like in the trailer. Great. Let's do that. Let's have that movie. But no, you're going to try and make it the epilogue to WandaVision because but because WandaVision was great on its own. Like if you I know, Todd, you haven't seen WandaVision. You should watch WandaVision. And and see how much how much better it was than Doctor Strange, and uh it it just it just that left, left me feeling the and then and then all right the music notes the music note fight was actually pretty cool, um, and, but at the same time it was like okay this I feel like it's going on a little too long and trying a little too hard there, and then there's this whole thing in this alternate universe and I'm not gonna spoil anything
0: yeah it was but, so stupid
1: yeah it, it's. It, it it gets to a point where you're like, okay, are are we really just doing whatever we can now to bring out nostalgia and bring out bring out like cameos and those shock moments? Like, is everyone trying to find the latest, you know, Andrew Garfield coming through the portal in, in Spider Man No Way Home? And it's, they're
0: do th- doing the same thing that Star Wars ended up doing. It's owned by the same company. This is what we this is what we're doing now.
1: Uh, yeah, so I, it, it, I mean, it was, it, at, while it was cool, it was also like
0: distracting and stupid and fanbase exactly, and exactly, yeah.
1: exactly. It was, it was completely unnecessary. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm nervous at where the MCU is going. I, I'm not. I'm not liking the direction because it, it tur- it's lo- looking like they're just doing the whole multiverse thing, so they can just continue to pull out whatever the hell they want to make
2: them make themselves. Make four bigger.
0: movies a year and on the box office.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, but I bet you, I Zach mean, is gonna love this movie because we are not fans. Oh,
2: you you sold me. I mean, now I kind of want to see it so I can give it a thumbs up. But you know, I would also never actually go see it. But, <laughs> but Maybe in theory, maybe you liked maybe, WandaVision, right, Zach? I liked the first two and a half episodes, uh, and then and then uh, it went a little too Marvel. Then it actually became Marvel. I liked the "I Love Lucy" shit. I liked this the star the Star Trek stuff that was fun um, when it wasn't about anything. Yeah. I also, I, I maybe no spoilers, but I've actually read that this movie has disappointingly few cameos, especially by one. Uh, prodigal roommate uh, at Princeton, who doesn't even make an appearance in this movie, right? Correct. Correct. I mean, how could you have a movie with Wanda without the second half of her of her name? But you know, maybe that's a spoiler. I mean, it,
1: I it, I didn't think it was necessary necessary for what they were trying to do, but um, there 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 is the there is a cameo I was very excited to see, and it has to do with the fact that sam raimi directed it that's all you really need to know
2: is it um, paxton no he's dead <laughs> but his acting would have improved the movie i'm guessing uh, uh.
0: not as jameson though although he's not in it either
1: <laughs> no he's not in it either all right so two stars from me two and a half from todd um i mean we, we get to check in on the mcu in a couple more Couple more months. What did Adam and, uh, give it? I know it's called. Uh, Adam. Adam did email me. He gave it two and a half. So he's kind of in the same spot we are.
0: Wow! I um, thought for sure you guys were going to like it. That's crazy.
1: I mean, it, it had its moments, but it I I just was disappointed. I, I was more like disappointed at what it what it means for the MCU than anything else. But, I mean, we'll yeah. see what. I mean, Thor it only does. made one hundred
0: eighty five million dollars, so you know it's not.
1: I've I've seen yeah, uh, I've seen uh, I the have not seen the problem is that the
0: stupid Hulk movies or not the no the Thor movies coming next right
1: yeah it's which Thor I mean, love and they, which they all
0: suck so I mean
1: <laughs> well but but Ragnarok, Ragnarok okay. was pretty Ragnarok was pretty good and that was the that was Taika Waititi and Taika Waititi's back for this one
2: because it made fun of Marvel it didn't take itself seriously
1: exactly exactly and and so uh, I'm looking forward to that one uh, and then. What else do you have coming out this year? The new Black Panther is coming out near the end of the year. Um it's like what is it? Black Panther Wakanda Forever. I felt like there was one more that was coming out this year. Were there just three this year? Anyways. Um I have I've heard good things about Moon Knight. I haven't had a chance to watch it yet, but I've heard Oscar Isaac is brilliant in it. Uh I want to see that and that because that uh all the episodes are now
2: available for that. But, yeah. Doctor Strange 2. Could you tell yeah. that it was a Sam Raimi movie? I've seen some critics talk about how it the best parts of the movie were the recognizable Sam Raimi traits, but it seemed like that was taken away from him, particularly in the second half.
0: Well, that's actually
2: the opposite,
0: kind of. Like, the second okay. half is the Sam Raimi stuff, where with all the, the demons and everything, but it's PG-13, so it's not really Evil Dead. Like, it, it looks kind so, of a PG-13.
1: It's It's... It's PG thirteen Marvel.
0: <laughs> yeah, so it's it's watered down, uh, but you could tell that it's inspired by, Sam what Sam Raimi wanted. The beginning is just normal Mar- Marvel shit. The beginning feels like a Spider Man movie. It felt like one of his Spider Man, which pretty movies. much is what Marvel is at this point. It's I mean yeah. it's it's Spider Man.
1: But but it, it had an aesthetic that that really felt like that felt like one of Raimi's movies. Raimi's superhero movies.
2: So when are know. when are we going to get a movie with Zulkchi Gomez and Iovali Krival- <laughs> So I, mean, I can
0: pronounce I, their names.
1: They could they could play <laughs> sisters. I mean, they that's look I'm very similar. Yeah, that, that, I that, think that's a fair point.
2: I think we need that company on Hulu putting out uh, stuff to make a movie with them. Crush two.
1: There we go. There we go. Well no, that, and that's the other thing that I that I hated about this movie too, is it's such a tired gimmick that has been used in so many different ways of there's the child with the with the extraordinary abilities, let's protect them. I mean that, never that's never seen that before. I, I know, yeah. I I saw it better when it was the Mandalorian or when it was Logan or when it was I mean, name
2: another movie where you've got the exact Was same that the movie watch Brightburn? Oh <laughs> yeah. Brightburn. I love Brightburn it's yeah. kansas
1: it, it, and well and I, I don't know if it has anything to do That's with i was saying
2: looper it, like a looper, there's too.
1: Some
0: looper in there. yeah
1: yeah there there is some looper but looper i don't know looper especially felt at the end it's looper isn't there a movie coming out next next week that kind of feels similar of protect the child with the fire starter the stephen king adaptation
0: oh nice oh, the peacock maybe
1: no is it oh is it going to peacock Is it Peacock? I think so. Um,
0: Probably. I don't know.
1: (laughs) Anyways, all right. We've got we've got twice declined so far, and we'll see if uh, if Zach ever sees it. Uh, Thrice declined. If you want to go with uh, with Adam too. All right. Well, now let's let's completely shift gears and talk about another French film. Yes. And so uh, I like this
2: direction. Marvel going down. Our podcast going up. I like it. There we go so We've how long until Celine
0: Siyama directs a Marvel movie? Oh
2: gosh.
1: That's that's a <laughs> vulgar comment.
2: Over under three and a half years. <laughs> Almost as vulgar as saying uh, Book Smart is better than uh, super bad. Yes. All right,
1: well we're we're gonna be talking about uh well I'm not going to be I haven't seen it yet but Zach went out and saw Petite Maman which uh was in Todd's top ten of last year. Uh it just Number is seven. finally getting uh it's finally getting some theatrical run here in the US uh Todd, you saw it as a part of the indie spirits, right? Correct. Yeah. Okay. So Zach, I'm gonna go to you. You can talk about what what you thought of it and then Todd can kind of respond.
2: So Petite Maman is a new movie by Celine Siama. She has done uh, one amazing movie after another, Girlhood, Tomboy, Water Lilies, Portrait of a Lady on Fire, to name a few, all of which I've given enthusiastic thumbs up reviews to. And uh, her latest film um, is, uh, as you may have heard, 72 minutes long. It really only has, I think, four actors in it. And it takes place over the course of maybe three days. Um, And it tells the story of a young girl named Nellie, whose grandmother has just died at the beginning of the movie. And she goes with her mother and father to kind of clean out her grandmother's house. And uh, along the way, her mother has to leave um, for sort of mysterious reasons that are sort of unsaid and not really totally revealed until the end of the movie. And then Nellie meets another girl uh, in a nearby kind of um, outdoor area and they build a fort together. This other girl's name is Marion. And uh, if you know that if you've seen the trailer for this movie, you kind of know where it's going. Um, I won't say too much more because Todd was also careful to not reveal spoilers when he mentioned it in our top 10 episode. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I loved this movie. Uh, of course, you know, it, it was uh, everything I was hoping for. It was uh, deeply moving, um, had some elements of magical realism in it. I heard uh, Todd were you the one that said that it was like a uh, Miyazaki movie. Uh, but yeah. live action yeah that's a great that's a great sort of uh look at it um you know we're not entirely sure if what we're watching is actually real or if it's a figment of someone's imagination um and it's never fully fleshed out whether what we how the events of the movie make sense in any sort of realistic or realm of reality but who cares i mean that's not what the movie is really concerned with the movie is about coming of age and also about uh intergenerational relationships um in particular Nellie and her mother who most of the movie isn't even in the movie um and uh about the kind of distance that they have between them and about how this relationship with this girl kind of forges a new understanding, a new intergenerational understanding between mother and daughter. And uh, I think it's a beautifully done movie. Uh, It uh, is very short. There's not a lot of dialogue in it. There's not a lot of music. Um, There's not a lot of fanfare or action sequences. It just kind of asks you to sit there and kind of observe quietly as these two girls sometimes play, sometimes they talk about their lives, sometimes they ask questions that they don't really know the answers to, and maybe we know the answers to a little bit more because we're older and wiser. The movie's not really a kid's movie. Uh, it's probably more a movie for adults, and yet there's nothing objectionable in the movie. I think it's sort of a universal story that I think all generations would like. It's probably a little slow for most American kids, but I think Siyama is a brilliant director. I think this movie looks absolutely beautiful. I'm I kind of am sorry that Todd didn't watch it on the big screen. I think that it has it's beautifully set in in the autumn wherever this movie takes place. The leaves just look ravishing and tremendous to me. It actually resembled a little bit uh, far from heaven the way that movie looked. Just this kind of classic throwback look, and uh, the movie doesn't explain a whole lot. kind of left it ends pretty abruptly you're left kind of thinking what was that how do i make sense of it just like the character is asking those same questions too and uh i thought thought it was a beautiful story it it, it's gonna linger in my mind for a while for now i'm giving it three and a half stars it wasn't as depressing or as anti-capitalist as i was hoping but uh it was a very affecting movie and um yeah i have to i i still have i'm still processing it a bit uh, but it was it was beautifully told. And uh, I, I applaud Todd for putting it on his top 10 list. Uh, it, it seems like critics all over the world are applauding this movie and rightfully so it's 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 a really special movie that people should seek out. And it's not nearly as hokey or as sentimental as I made it sound.
0: Yeah, the, the movie is so short that it feels like a dream watching it, which is which is why yeah it's hard to process necessarily. Because yeah, I mean, it took a while for me to actually really place it where I was going to place it because I I had to I had to let it linger, but I, I mean I wish it would have been longer, honestly. I would I would have loved to live Me in that too. world longer. And uh you know it's it's beautifully directed. It's not really on un- like anything I've ever seen. And uh I, I also did give it three and a half stars, uh, but I mean the on my waiting my my movies are always weighted a little bit more toward the middle, so this is a <laughs> yeah, you know, top ten of twenty twenty-one for sure.
2: Yeah, I that and I'll I'll second that too. I can't really think of any movie I've ever seen that's quite like it, except I will say that I think I've mentioned on this podcast before, you know, I was I we were very lucky to grow. I think we, but especially me, I, I was lucky to grow up in the 90s uh, when movies for kids were made by European directors. And I think that really shaped how I watch movies and what kind of movies I like. In particular, I'm talking about like Agnieszka Holland's uh, The Secret Garden or John Sayles' The Secret of Rowan Inish or these movies that were made by European auteurs, but they were kids' movies and they were so beautifully shot, like uh, Little Princess, Alfonso Cuaron. I love those movies. I didn't think of those movies, even when you watch them today, you don't think of them as kids' movies. You think of them as kind of beautiful, timeless fables, many of which involve kids, but oftentimes have pretty adult themes. And this kind of recalls the spirit of that. And I just really applaud Céline Siyama for, in this movie, along with Tomboy, um, especially tomboy, but also water lilies and, and girlhood, treating childhood seriously. You know, not making it some joke, uh, and not not going for easy laughs, and not going for kind of over, over the top cutesiness. I think both the, the the actresses in this movie are are really good, very naturalistic performances, and um, you know, it's not it's not cutesy show off in any sort of way. It just feels authentic and, and real, and uh, yeah, it, it's. It was a strange experience watching the movie. I can't quite place it except to say that I feel passionately about it in the way that I I felt watching those movies as a kid.
0: This doesn't make your top 10 of 2021.
2: I don't know. I, I mean, I, is it really a 2021 movie? I'm calling it a 2022 movie because I don't want to go back and redo my list again. And right now I have it number two behind Vortex. So, hey, if not seeing Doctor Strange meant that I saw the two best movies of the year so far, I think it was worth it. What about the other the other French movie you're going to watch? <laughs> other French movie? I, I don't know which. Oh, that, that hasn't come out yet, at least not where I am. Happening? Great week for it to come out. Uh you know I I definitely plan on seeing that uh at some point. That that is very high up on my list. The so-called French never rarely sometimes always.
1: I'm looking right now at release dates to see if it's which one is it technically supposed to be in 2021 or 2022.
0: Well, it had played at some some venues that qualified it for 2021, but officially the release wasn't until like yeah, like now. Yeah, it looks like
1: Twenty Twenty One, it played at a lot of,
0: but it was shortlisted for the Oscars last year, like
1: for foreign or international,
0: for other categories, I think.
1: Oh, really? Okay.
0: I, I mean, at least from what I remember. Okay. Uh,
2: yeah, and for it's also too. a reminder too that you know, uh, Grierson had this number one on his his list, and it your your movie doesn't need to be a two and a half hour epic to be great. You know, just watch the Decalogue. Okay, every single one of those movies is a masterpiece, and they're all only an hour long, right? Sometimes brevity is uh, much more deeper and impactful uh, by, by what's left unsaid. And I, I wish more directors could recognize that. It isn't about cramming in more needless, excessive exposition. It's often it's it's better to kind of leave your audience wanting more. And I, I don't I don't get why filmmakers in Hollywood, particularly MCU filmmakers, but all filmmakers I guess in Hollywood don't don't, don't see that more. Then again, I just saw a two and a half hour movie by Gaspar Noe that I really loved. So maybe, you know, it just depends on the movie, but more yeah, seven. He's not into movie. the whole brevity thing. No, he's not. He's not. <laughs> 750 pages on. It's it was the same.
1: El Duterino. Uh All right. Well, that is Petit Maman. I'm going to have to see it now. Uh, To make sure we get
2: Adam gave it it three stars and (coughs) I'm I'm guessing he fell asleep during it. Yeah, that that is just
0: inexcusable. (laughs)
1: Uh, That's funny. All right, moving on. We're now into power
0: rankings. You can't top that. Yeah, that's the movie about the horse.
1: I'm going to pull an audible at the last minute here. That's because I haven't seen it. Power rankings.
0: Not including Fargo. Can't choose Fargo ever again.
1: And for power rankings this week, if I remember right, two weeks ago or three weeks ago, whenever it ended up being Todd, you and I like shared the title, right?
0: Oh, yeah, we absolutely tied. We both had three right and one honorable mention. We had the exact same three in the rights in the same spots. There was so no we kinda, way we could do it other than a tie. So we
1: kind of decided together on this one. And by that, Todd said, "Wanna well, do this. And I said, sure. And so that's what we're going with. So in honor of Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, we are counting down the greatest fictional doctors of all time. Yeah. That's what we're doing. doing. This is going to be fun.
2: I like it. Movies TV
0: can use one video game, but it can't be number one. I don't think we're going into, like, written stuff but i mean i guess we just said fictional so
1: yeah we just said fictional we didn't specify but but yeah uh, it, it's uh it, it's gonna be interesting this list was a lot harder to come up with than i thought it was going to be
2: seriously oh this was the e- one of The there were list. so many like
0: doctor shows that's the problem
1: right yes yes okay well, let's get started in this, and we are going to start with you know what we're going to start with me. You guys did the re- started the reviews, so I'll start this one, and and we're we're starting with a humdinger here. All right, number five on my list, we are going to go with. I mean, this is like, this is like an, a, an another level. It's like a fictional on top of a fictional, and um, and uh, I'm starting with number five. Dr. Drake Ramore. That's my from, number 5. from Dan yeah, Nice from Days of Our Lives via Friends played by Joey Tribbiani. Um I mean he's a pretty brilliant doctor. I mean at one point he he like falls down an elevator shaft and uh goes into a coma and then gets a brain transplant and is able to continue the profession.
0: But he's so, the only one that can really do the like do Yeah, the he's operation. the only one that can really do
1: the operation, but somehow he's able he, he's able to find someone they come back um he is a brilliant doctor even though he may have a twin that leaves a toilet seat up that bastard but uh dr drake Ramore is my number five
0: Ramore, uh, it's portuguese <laughs> you know, we live in a world where joey's a neurosurgeon you know i mean nothing really makes sense damn it woman we are losing precious time like <laughs> i think at one point uh, in joey i think he actually dies again in the show he gets like stabbed by a patient or by a nurse like during surgery i don't know he's a he's an awesome character i mean yeah i i had to mention him i mean it's awesome that we we both have him on the list well and
1: i did we did we actually say no dr Derek summersby did we say that
2: i think that's a rule yeah i think he's yeah, I never think that's technically seen
1: True. However, I would say Dr. Drake Ramore kind of falls in the same category as Dr. Derek Summersby. And it's it's, definitely
0: playing off of it. I mean, that was another soap opera character. Yeah, it's
1: a fictional doctor played by a fictional actor. (laughs) (laughs) Very Charlie
2: Kaufman-esque.
1: Yeah, so that's my number five. That's Todd's number five. So, Zach, number five.
2: Okay, I went into the Apatow universe for my number five. A lot of great choices here. Uh, we could true. go in any direction. I mean, you could go uh, Dr. Ken Jong from Knocked Up. You could go the, the gynecologist. Uh, you could go uh, the sports doctor, Bill Hader in Trainwreck. Um, but mm. I'm going to go with a somewhat unorthodox pick. I'm going to go Todd's favorite Apatow movie, Funny People, Dr. Lars, the... Uh, painfully unfunny German doctor uh, who uh, has a, a it's, it's too early to tell who's winning the fight the medicine or the disease and then uh, you know did anybody ever tell you have a very scary accent uh, you're a very funny man I enjoy your <laughs> movies and I enjoy all your movies which movies the ones where you try to kill Bruce Willis and uh yeah I mean Dr. Yes. Lars is a, he's a pretty patient doctor you know having to deal with both Adam Sandler <laughs> and Ira um and oh, I said sub Judaism in that name and uh you know he comes back in the movie a little bit later when uh, George Simmons actually uh gets better now do you trust my accent yes I do yippee kaye, motherfucker and uh, yeah, he's he's awesome in the movie. We need more Doctor Lars. I'm not really sure where we needed Doctor Lars in the bubble. I think he really could have, if, if he could <laughs> save George Simmons's life, he could have maybe saved the bubble. Uh, probably not, probably not. But he would have made it a valiant effort.
1: Very nice. Very That's
2: a nice. great
0: choice. Not one that I consider, but that is great choice.
1: That is. That
2: is. I also love that his name is Doctor Lars. No last name, just Doctor Lars. <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right. Number four on my list uh, is uh, this will be a fun one. I'm going with Dr. Malcolm Walsh, played by Colm Fior in Face Off.
2: Oh, my God.
1: Because, I mean, he revolutionized (laughs) this procedure where he could take off one person's face.
2: That is true.
1: Put it onto another person's body and make them unrecognizable. Like, they look like the other person. And uh however he does have some, some questionable business practices when um you know he when someone threatens his life, he performs an operation against the will of the other person. But uh I mean the whole the whole premise of the movie comes down to the fact that this doctor can perform this surgery and turn John Travolta into uh Nicolas Cage and vice versa, and gives us half a movie of Nick Cage Playing or be, doing a John Travolta impression, and then John Travolta doing a Nicolas Cage impression. It's like <laughs> looking into a mirror, but not. Uh, it, it's it's brilliant, and it all comes down to Doctor Malcolm Walsh. So that's my number four.
0: Awesome. Beautiful. <laughs> Characters that aren't even that aren't even principal characters at all in movies. This is...
2: <laughs> but he's a great doctor. This he's is why this player. is such a great list because we're just gonna nerd out over this shit and no one's <laughs> going to understand what we're talking about.
0: I mean, I have some more traditional picks, I guess. All right, uh, number four. My number four. So w- what? What's interesting is like we're just doctors, so it doesn't necessarily need to be a medical doctor necessarily. So mine right. is a psychiatrist, and that is Doctor Samuel Loomis from Halloween. Played by Donald Pleasance, he, he's like a a really like loyal uh, psychiatrist, like and, and he's also really brilliant. Like he he's as curious as the audience is about Michael Myers, and there's a reason why I kept him as part of the series. He's in like almost all the movies because he's a fantastic character, and he ha- he's always explaining what's going on with Michael, so we don't actually have to see it. We can we can imagine his madness, and uh, that's why he's a great character. And he he's he's always Donald Pleasence is always fun to watch.
1: I kept it strictly to medical doctors. If I was going to take um, take a psychiatrist, I probably would have gone with
0: Neil
2: from the Santa Claus. Oh, that's a great pick. <laughs> Never would have thought of that.
0: Denying your inner
2: child. All he wanted was that whistle. Weenie whistle. A weenie a wiener whistle. <laughs> and he stopped believing in Santa when he was four.
1: Santa. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right. Zach, number four god damn it why didn't you pick that's a great pick um okay uh my number four i did not by the way stick to just medical practitioners but uh Uh, we'll we'll keep going with this my number four doctor is and this has been a fun game so far is trying to figure out the names of these doctors when you guys say them i don't know what you're talking about and i have another one to add to the list that you're not going to know it is dr solomon eddie do you know who that is
1: it sounds familiar
2: Dr. Solomon Eddy is the Peter Stormare character in Minority Report, which I believe we will be talking about at some point in the upcoming future. Um, wow. What, when the future becomes the past. Um, <laughs> oh, no. And, and uh, he is a, like the doctor in, uh, in Face Off, a, a one time great doctor with questionable ethics and uh, is now somewhat disreputable in the year 2054. And um, apparently he liked to set his patients on fire, but I put him out. And uh, he uh, agrees very uh, benevolently to do an operation on uh, John Anderton, uh, Tom Cruise, to give him new eyes, uh, which is a little bit stunning because John Anderton was also the cop who took out Dr. Solomon for his illicit medical practices. Um, He even provides him a sandwich and some milk. Um, in a refrigerator that also has some very old food, which unfortunately Doctor uh, John Anderson also indulges in, and he works with the wonderful assistant Miss Van Eyck, and uh, Miss Van Eyck has a thing for uh, John Anderson apparently, um, but uh, he uh, says never scratch, um, and uh, yeah, he's he's pretty awesome. And, uh, I think anytime uh, I, g- I guess I'm getting the big kind of Norwegian Scandinavian doctors. I'm, I definitely have a a. a, a uh, uh, handle on that in my list so far but uh, more, more doctors portrayed by Peter Stormare would be awesome so I'm going Dr. Solomon Eddie and I don't believe they ever say his name in the movie can we just like say the doctor's name and have the other two try to guess like <laughs> that would be a great
0: game <laughs> uh,
1: we, we could do that I, I, I've got one more we could probably do that with
0: I kind of um, have two one and a half kind of I don't know one and a half
1: okay <laughs> Alright, well uh let's go on to number three on my list. And number three is one that, that you could do this with. It is his name is Doctor Cooney.
0: Oh that's that's Ken Jong. It's Ken Jong oh, okay. from Knocked I had that Up. I thought my yeah, honorable mention. Yeah,
1: yeah Ken Jong from Knocked Up. Uh I mean it's it's the it's the um
0: it's Do movie you that... <laughs> smoke cigarettes? <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's a movie that started his acting career when he actually changed from being an an actual doctor to being an actor. Um uh, yeah, the the scene where where Ben tries has to calm him or calm him down so they can calm her down while they're in labor. It is just it's just brilliant, and it, he's a brilliant character, and it's 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 just perfect. It's perfect. So number three, it's Ken Jong, Doctor Cooney from Knocked Up. That's a
2: great I'm right, pick. I'm in the right place at the right time. Yeah, you know, that other doctor Ooh. was in San Francisco at a bar mitzvah.
0: Yeah, luckily he didn't have any Jewish friends. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite Apu movie, by the way.
1: <laughs> uh, all right, Todd number three.
0: My number three is—it's definitely a Todd pick, but is Doctor Larry Gray? He's a dermatologist and closer. Uh, oh, Clive Owen. Clive Owen. Uh, I didn't sure know he, he was, was a
2: doctor. I don't think they have any <laughs> scenes of him at his at his clinic.
0: Well, well, yeah, I mean, he, well, he's really into cyber sex. We know that. But I mean, he, he I don't know. He, he he's re- he really, he wore his white coat to the aquarium because that's what Jude Law told him to do when he was acting as Julia Roberts. Uh, I don't know. I, he's a really sarcastic character. And it's one of the reasons why he's in a, a top 100 movie of all time. Uh, I don't know. Something about Clive Owen as this like lonely, pathetic doctor. He, he almost makes him seem suave. I don't know any other actors that could have done that, and uh, yeah, we never actually see him practice his, his thing, but uh, he's uh, he's definitely a doctor. He's a dermatologist, and his name is Larry Gray. I don't think they ever say his last name though in the movie. I
1: can only seen Larry. That movie once. I need to watch it again.
2: All right, <laughs> that was Back. a Todd pick. That, that, yeah, the total, afterwards. Total Todd I, pick. Yeah, <laughs>
0: wow.
1: Because because he's the only one that actually remembers anything about that movie. <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, I'm kind of obsessed with that movie. I mean, I I rarely, if ever, get a chance to mention it. So, I mean, th- this seems like as good of a chance as any.
2: All I remember from that movie is, uh, hello, stranger. What a floozy. I, I, I got nothing. Todd Ta knows that. Ma. <laughs> uh, all it, right. wasn't, it wasn't a great impression, but I, I got I got it. Yeah, yeah. Zach, number three. I don't kiss strange men in the lips. I've just seen the trailer. I haven't really seen the
1: movie. Uh, Really?
2: No, no, I've seen the movie. I just haven't seen, I've only seen the trailer in the last, you know, 20 years. Um, Okay, so, uh, okay, I bet you guys will get, maybe Todd will get the name of my number three doctor. Dr. Harris Klein. Dr. Claude. I don't have it. All right, Uh, Dr. Harris Klein is played by Bruce Altman in Matchstick Men. He is Roy's psychologist. And I I get that this is deviating a little bit. uh, Because he's not actually... (laughs) Well, you know, (laughs) I I mean... I think he's got a pretty solid handle on how to deal with Roy, probably better than any other of, of Roy's psychologists, not that he's seen a whole lot. Uh, Dr. Harris Klein goes out of his way to contact uh, Heather, Roy's ex, and make contact so he can uh, meet up with Angela, his long lost daughter. Um, he also is very keen to the fact that Roy is a criminal, judging by the fact that. Roy says he's an antiques dealer, but doesn't even realize that he's uh, putting his feet on a priceless um, cushion stool thing. Um, you know, I love Bruce Altman. I mean, I think he's one of the great underrated actors. He was in LIE and he was in The Paper and he's been in a lot of stuff. He's he's just an awesome actor. I wish he had, he got more screen time. Um, I think he was one of my best supporting actor nominees in 03. I don't know. I just I love wow. that character. I don't know if he really was. He <laughs> should be. I love that character. There's I mean, look, going Glenn Glenn Ross. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, he's Rick with 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 Ricky. Uh um, he's the one being seduced. And right? Yeah. Um so yeah. uh no. I just no no, no he's the, that's no. with Shelley.
0: Oh okay he's the Yeah, yeah he, he's the house, yeah. the house thing with Shelley
2: at the house. Okay. Interesting. It also says he was on an episode of Ozark, which is interesting. Uh, the one with Ricky, A- the one with Ricky is Jonathan Price. That's right. Yes early early Ozark. Terry also A- knows him from Rookie of the Year. AK Pope Benedict.
1: I was gonna say that's that's who I I he will always be the the guy from Rookie of the Year. I'm his manager.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, if we're talking about criminal lawyers, criminal you criminal lawyer, criminal doctors, criminal doctors I think uh, Dr. Klein should be on the list because he is able to do exactly what Roy tries to do, which is steal people's money without actually stealing people's money. Roy basically gives him his money. And uh, he's really kind of the diabolical genius to make it out of that movie. And um, yeah, I, I, I give it up to Dr. Klein. Great great impression and uh, probably really would have been helpful for Roy's mental uh, anxiety issues.
1: Biggest flaw of that movie is at the end he says, I never said I was a doctor, or no, I, I never said I was your friend, or something like that. And he actually does at one point early in the
2: movie. Well, I don't remember that. Well, so I did have an issue where something
0: like that, but it's
2: not, that's yeah, not yeah, what but it's, meant, some, yeah.
1: it's something he says something where I never said that. And there, and he very clearly at one point, oh, says I'm
0: a doctor, that. I can't lie. That's, that's, what what yeah. that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. It'll I did have. Some, next year.
2: I did have some issue. Yeah. Did you guys have this issue where I thought it was a doctor, but it wasn't? That happened a few times. I also was wondering about the status of honorary degrees. Do <laughs> do we have a ruling on that? Um. And no, I'm not putting Bill Cosby on my list.
1: <laughs> I, I I don't. I have I have no opinion on it. I stuck to medical doctors. So I mean. If you want to throw honoraries on, whatever, dude.
2: All right. It was more a hypothetical.
1: Okay, I'm going to go next. Uh, and uh, for my next one, now, now I'm getting into a little more traditional picks uh, because no list about fictional doctors could truly be complete without Captain Benjamin Franklin Pierce, also known as Hawkeye, from MASH. Now, if you're going to talk about this, you have to go with Alan Alda, not with Donald Sutherland. Um, Don, um Alan Alda who played him for more years than the Korean War actually le- uh went on. Um he it, it he's such a great I mean just throughout the the length that show which I think was 11 seasons, something like that. Um it it it's just a brilliant performance of of keeping keeping it a sitcom about an army hospital in the middle of a war zone. But at the same time, he has some incredible depth to that character that comes out kind of all throughout at different times as well, especially with his relationship with Sydney, the psychiatrist who also is another great, we should just do a list of movie psychiatrists at some point. Um, But but yeah, Hawkeye Pierce, Uh, uh, he's my only representative from MASH on here. But uh, you could all easily, you know, throw on your honorable mentions: Trapper, or or Henry Blake, or Frank, or or BJ, or any of those guys. So Winchester, um, it, they're they're all they're all awesome awesome characters. And it, it's kind of the the uh, great part about television is that when you are able to play a character for eleven years, you're really able to to get some depth to them that you can't do in a two-hour movie. So. That's definitely shown by Hawkeye in. Mesh.
0: Had to be said. The Terry to Terry said. <laughs> Similar to my number two, which I mean, it's Doctor Gregory House. Hello. Mm, of
2: course.
1: Yeah, I know. I had to. I had to.
2: Zach number two. Wow, I'm surprised to not see my number two on Terry's list. Uh. My number two doctor is Doctor Chuck from the Apollo flight thirteen. Flight surgeon, yes.
1: Okay, okay, no, no. I'm I'm throwing the BS <laughs> flag in this because it's fictional doctors. And what that is a true story? <laughs> That's some
2: flight surgeon horseshit. D. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I was gonna put him on the list,
2: Fic- but it's really? a true story. True.
1: And so, and so, he's probably a real character. Is that guy, there was a real, a real flight surgeon on Apollo thirteen. Really?
0: What's his last name though? it just says dr chuck they I don't know. even call him that in the movie we went over no, this. They, don't. they call him
1: they call him flight surgeon they curse at him more than they actually say his real name
2: all right well i had a backup this was going to be my number six i'll go with so, seven. So, so
1: he's going with his jack swagger yeah
2: even though he yeah. hasn't
1: been in a simulator for he's part of the
2: backup crew you know it's good uh i'm gonna go with harold Ramis and as good as it gets i think i mentioned him before on this podcast I really like his mm-hmm. character. His name is Doctor Martin Betts. Much less funny to talk about than you know Doctor Chuck. If we're being honest, we but can
1: keep talking about him if you want. But
2: no, it's, you're right. It was fictional doctors. I did mess that up. Uh, but uh, Martin Betts goes to the house of Helen Hunt and uh, is nice to her and helps his son with a- her son with asthma. But you know, Doctor Chuck uh, leads. He is the reason, the catalyst for the medical mutiny. Um, and we got to cut him a little slack, but, uh, he's also very informative. He knows about things like, ju- uh, impaired judgment, blackouts in the beginning is a brain asphyxia. Have You ever had brain asphyxia, Terry? Like when you said book smart was better than super bad? <laughs> Um, anyway, I'll go with Martin Betts, but my heart goes to out to Dr. Chuck and, um, that's all there is to it. Are we on Vox? He was my all three of them.
0: Larry Award winner when we did that movie. Was he?
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. I I, I think it's fair. I think it's fair. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I wish I could I, I, I could have picked him too, but yeah. Okay. Now it's time for Todd and I to talk about uh uh Dr. Gregory
0: House. The diagnostician.
1: The diagnostician. I mean is it safe to say he's possibly one of the greatest characters in television history? I mean, especially yes. those first few seasons as as it's feeling its way out. I mean, you taking and, and and Hugh Laurie is is the perfect one for it. I mean, you take this guy who's a slapstick comedian and put him into this medical drama where he's just the wisecracking doesn't give a crap doctor that knows everything. And it, it, it's the perfect role for the perfect actor, um, in the perfect show. I mean, the show loses its way as you get into the later seasons, but I mean, what show doesn't, um, and, uh, a few shows don't, I'll say it, I'll say it that way. Um, but yeah, Dr. Gregory house, uh, he's, he's just brilliant and, and it's a brilliant, it's a brilliant performance. It's a brilliant character. And, uh, yeah. I can't imagine never topping that.
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he in the back when like network TV was actually like quality programming, like this was the best show on TV for like three years. And yeah. it, it, he's a great character because he's super cynical. He's almost like Sherlock Holmes in a way, or like a like a really good poker player with his intuition and like being able to figure things out. He pops a viking in like their tic tacs. And uh, I don't know, I, I never grew tired of the show. I thought I, even when they kept like recycling um, like his doctors that worked under him, I thought it still really worked. I mean, this, the second and like this, like the third cast that were around him, I still thought <laughs> was really great. But plus, it was always he, him and Wilson. I think they're the best doctor duos of all time, including over MASH. I mean, I think I think that they are the one of the best buddy duos like in television history.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, there's a reason House is above Hawkeye on this list. Uh, yeah, I think I think they're a great they're a great duo. And you're right. The, the different groups. I mean, you, you had the original group of Foreman, Chase and Cameron. And then you had the start of Olivia Wilde's career as 13. And Cal Penn was in there. Uh, Charlene Yi apparently was a doctor for a while. I forgot about oh, yeah, that. That
0: was later. Yeah, we well, yeah. Taub was the one that was a holdover from that group that went right. to the, the third group. Right.
1: Yeah. And then, uh, of course, Cutthroat Bitch. Um, oh yeah yeah you can't forget about her um you had amber tamblin on his masters i mean there's just a great group of of characters there and uh but i mean it, none of it works un- unless you got hugh laurie's house uh i mean j- just the episode where he expo- where he goes through the three stories like that's one of the greatest greatest yeah. episodes of this sh- of the show and i just it's one of the best
0: a- tv episodes of all time like-
1: yeah and and there there was I just remember there was an episode that happened early on in there where they're trying to figure everything out and there nothing is working nothing is working and he pulls an all nighter and then he just walks into the room and goes gout and walks out <laughs> 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 like the it, it, dude's a genius and it's, it's never lupus weird. though except for that it's one never time. lupus except for the one time it was lupus
2: Zach did you ever watch House I didn't but uh, Joshua oh. our beloved roommate it was it was his favorite show too. He said that he was kind of like House. I have a great trivia question though. So, you know, on IMDb they show the f- top four credits of actors. Can you name the other top three things that Hugh Laurie is known for? Sense of um, Sensibility. No. Really? The no, Night
1: there. Manager.
2: No. Oh, that's a
0: good one.
1: Um. Oh,
0: what's that one? That one movie, Takers. Is he in? That? No, no, something like that though. What,
1: uh, a bit of Fry and Laurie.
0: Shit, no. What is that movie called? It's not Takers, it's the other one. The uh,
1: he was in the Flight of the Phoenix. I know that's that, one
0: of them. No, it's um, that one. Oh, what's that movie called? He's is in, there he's dark in the th- movie or something? Um, uh, no,
1: he's in something now. Oh, um, uh, is it why didn't they ask Evans?
2: No, that,
1: it's that's a, it's a like show. some some I get Agatha Christie adaptation or cop directed. movie. No,
2: he's like, these are, these are oh, 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 older oh
0: Street Kings, Street Kings. Oh, no. no, no. that was what I was thinking of, too. Yeah. Um, no,
2: I'll just tell you guys. Uh, Tomorrowland is his second most well-known wow, role, wow. of course, and One Hundred and One Dalmatians, the Glenn Close version. as oh, yes, Jasper,
1: because because it's him and um and the guy who plays Mr. Weasley, who are the the main henchmen in the Glenn Close version because I, I remember Mark there was Williams. like a meme that went around at one point that says uh, that moment you realize that Dr. House and Arthur Weasley are the henchmen <laughs>
2: 901 <in> Dalmatians <laughs> I think that tells you all you need to know about Hugh Laurie's career
1: um, but I'm a bit of frying Laurie that was his that was his like like sketch comedy show from Britain back in the like early 90s late 80s and there's some funny crap uh, that came out of that show if you ever get a chance to see it and uh, YouTube it. it. There's there's some good stuff.
0: Way to come okay. up with Street Kings, man! That I was not going to come up with that, but I knew None I knew reads, exactly. Right? Yeah, None that's reads. the other yeah. person in it. Yeah. Man.
1: All right, Todd. What's your number one?
0: Okay, my number one. uh Well, I'll go by his real name. It's Doctor Douglas Dougie Powers, better known as Doctor Evil. Because uh-huh. he spent six years in an evil medical school, <laughs> so you can't call him Mister Evil, but he is a he's Doctor Evil. He's a. I, I also mentioned this movie by the way: in stick men for Austin, Unwarranted Murders for the guy who gets run over by the by the steamroller, and in the film franchises, just just for people to keep a track. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. We, we could talk all day he's about Doctor Evil, at home. Scott, Mister Bigglesworth, Mini Me Number Two, Frau, everyone else. When we do, we're going to deep dive that movie this year, I'm sure, but. I love that the the, the character of Doctor Evil is inspired by Donald Pleasance, which second mention of him in the podcast, and Lauren Michaels, which is just is just a perfect marriage of whatever is inside his head. It's also I think the this I think it's the greatest comedic villain of all time, and the second best example of a character playing multiple characters or an actor playing multiple characters in the same movie behind Doctor Strangelove, which really should be a tie for number one because he qualifies too, but. um I had to go with Dr. Evil just because I've seen the movie more. But Dr. Strangelove really probably should be number one.
1: I, I like it. I like yeah. it. I didn't even think of Dr. Evil. I don't know why.
0: Really? <laughs> yeah, I didn't. Evil medical school.
1: I did go to evil medical school for nothing.
0: An, an evil petting zoo?
2: <laughs> Throw me a freaking bone. All right, Zach, number one. Uh, my number one, like Dr. House, also comes from the world of TV um, it is well, it's a great doctor, but there's some also some special wrinkles to this doctor. It is Dr. Howard Cooperman. Does that ring a bell to anybody? Uh Dr- like
0: Cohen Brothers character.
2: Actually, that's a not a bad thought there. Dr. Cooperman is better known by his license plate name, which is Ass Man. And he is the doctor on Seinfeld who uh gets the personal vanity plate ass man. Um, And uh, it is a mix-up at the Department of Motor Vehicles, and Kramer actually gets his license plate. So for a while, Kramer is the ass man, and they spend the entire episode uh, trying to figure out who would have the audacity to have a license plate that says ass man. At first, they think it was Wilt Chamberlain. Um, (laughs) Then they think it's a guy with a big ass. And then they finally conclude that it must be a proctologist. And Kramer talks about how if you're ever at a party, you got to be around a proctologist because they got the best stories and they're always the most hilarious. And inevitably, the story always ends with million to one shot, Doc. Million to one. Of course, by the end of the episode, uh, one of the characters, uh, uh, George's father, Jerry Stiller, does end up going to uh, Dr. Cooperman. But the real reason I picked Dr. Dr. Cooperman, Cooperman, the ass man, is he is played by Lou Cattell. Now, does that Amazing Larry. That is none other than Amazing Larry, (laughs) who we have the award named after. Amazing Larry as the ass man, as the greatest Uh, movie doctor of all time. I could not resist when I saw that connection. Worlds are colliding. You know, George is blowing up. Uh, and uh, yes, uh, Doctor Cooperman, who only appears, I would say, in about sixty seconds of that episode, has to be the greatest uh, Doctor of all time. Uh, Out of nice respect,
0: we all should have chosen him.
2: Yes, agreed. agreed. Amazing, Larry. Amazing ass man.
0: I looked at. I looked up his picture. I was like, "That's amazing, Larry." <laughs> 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 He's also played a Doctor in two different variations of Frankenstein. Different Doctors too. Doctor Nadir in. <laughs> Frankenstein meets the space monster and Do- Frankenstein General Hospital. He played Doctor Saperstein.
2: So he also he's, played Doctor <laughs> Brainerd in Honey I Shrunk the Kids and in Wedding Crashers he was old Jewish man, which probably means he was a doctor. <laughs> I mean the odds are oh, the oh, odds oh. are pretty good or or That's a banker. Uh, that is fantastic.
1: All right, I I I have two comments about your list, Zach. One, if you were going to have a Seinfeld character, I thought it was going to be Watley.
2: There are a lot of uh, doctors on Seinfeld. Yes, I have several in the honorable mentions. But yeah, two. How lot. do you have? a Is top a dentist five? really a doctor? Sorry, go ahead.
1: But that, that's. I mean that that is the question, um, and and the second thought is how do you have a top five without any Grey's Anatomy, Mister
2: Religious well, Grey's Anatomy Watcher. Unlike other people on this podcast, I try to list doctors that you guys have knowledge of instead of Doctor Freaking Larry from Closer. I mean, what was that? (laughs) You've seen the movie, yeah, twenty years ago. (laughs) And it it is incidental that he's a doctor. He's a sex addict. That's all you need to know about him. The doctor, but he wears his coat to to the aquarium. And if we're going, if we're going There's with Stickman doc, if we doctors, we're gonna go with Doctor Mark Philly Sloan Roberts. from Grey's Anatomy. But okay, that would be my Grey's Anatomy pick. I,
0: I can't believe him. you didn't have Doctor Melfi. I know you. Have developed I thought about Doctor Melfi, her, but... I
2: also thought about uh, the the neighbor of The Sopranos, Doctor Cusumano, because Tony has uh, unhealthy feelings for Jeannie Cusumano. There's a whole episode called "I Dream of Jeannie Kuzmano," but. Uh, I, 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 it wasn't as funny to talk about Dr. Melfi as it was to talk about the Ass Man. You, Cosmo Kramer, you are the Ass Man.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's run this down and then talk about our humble mentions. So, uh, for me, doc, uh, number five, Dr. Drake Ramore from Days of Our Lives via Friends. Number four, Dr. Malcolm Walsh from Face Off. Number three, Dr. Cooney from Knocked Up. Number two, Hawkeye Pierce from Mesh, and number one, Dr. Gregory House from House. Stop.
0: My number five was Dr. Drake Ramore uh, from Friends. Uh, no, number four, Dr. Samuel Loomis from the Halloween franchise. Number three, Dr. Larry Gray from <laughs> Closer. Number two, Dr. Gregory House from House, and number one, Dr. Douglas Dougie, Dr. Evil Powers from uh, <laughs> from Austin Powers,
2: uh, International Man of Mystery, I guess, if you want to say one thing. (laughs) A.K.A. Lauren Michaels. There you go. Uh, My number five was Dr. Lars from Funny People. Number four was Dr. Solomon Eddy from Minority Report. Number three is Dr. Klein from Matchstick Men. Number two was controversial. I went originally with Dr. Chuck from Apollo 13, but then I also with Harold Ramis in As Good As It Gets. Maybe I'll just call it a tie. And number one, the greatest ass man, Dr. Amazing Larry winner, Dr. Howard Cooperman from Seinfeld. RIP, RIP Lou Cotel, who actually died in November of t- 2021. I think we need a come to the stable with a Lou Cotel vehicle somewhere.
1: We had a whole segment up <laughs> uh, in, in tribute to him when he died.
2: We did? No, yeah, that did. was after, after we did. We did didn't TV we do Stigam a Mount Hunter? Rushmore
1: of greatest Larry's in movie history? <laughs> yes. Yes. I don't remember
2: talking about Lou Cattell though. Yeah, that it was it what was in honor reason? of
1: the fact that Amazing Larry died.
2: Okay. He's got quite a quite a quite a filmography, although I I dare say it's more of a TVography, but it's, there's some impressive stuff on there.
1: All right. Uh my honorable mention uh the one that just missed my list was Dr. Myers Myers my- Myers Uh it, Oh, Mears- the from Eternal Sunshine.
2: That's a good one.
1: Um that 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 one just missed my list. Uh, another one that just missed my list was uh Robin Williams from Awakenings. Um mm-hmm. also uh Dr. Bob from Meet the Parents. I Are thought you, for sure that was going to be on your list. Too. MD. Yeah, I thought about it. Uh, then, uh, also Dr. Sarah Tancredi from Prison Break. Gotta throw that one in there. And then I had some, some here that, uh, uh if I was, was going to go with a, a real life doctor in movies, I probably would have gone with, uh, Val Kilmer's portrayal of Doc Holliday in, uh, in Tombstone. And then I have some that from their names that, that you would think that they're doctors, but they're not really like Dr. Strangelove and Dr. No and Doc Hudson from Cars, I mean they're they're not doctors, it's just part of their name. And then the last one I'm gonna mention is Sid from Toy Story. Uh but there's no way that kid has ever been to medical school. So uh <laughs> I couldn't pick him.
0: <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> I guess Doctor Strangelove isn't a doctor, that's true. I so Doctor Evil is number one.
1: All right. Doctor uh, <laughs> Woman. I, I,
0: had to, I had once I thought of it. I had I had to mention him. Uh, so I also I had Doctor Melfi from Sopranos and Doctor Sarah Cardi listed. I had uh, Trapper John. Uh, I use my always my favorite character on Mash. Um, doc, I mean, Hannibal Lecter is a doctor. I mean, none of us mentioned him. I I thought we might. Doctor Andre uh who's a plastic surgeon in the league, <laughs> played by Paul Scheer. <laughs> I almost put him on the list. He was going to be my number three, but I I, I decided against having too much TV. Doctor Cooney was also mentioned. I I wrote down Doctor Chuck, but I forgot that it wasn't. Uh, he's a, true, a real live person, like Zach. I also had written down Doctor Stone, who's the Christopher Guest character in A Few Good Men, which yes, was in my, I thought about him. I he's in my top him. five uh, best five minute or less performances of all time. And another one, Doc Brown. I'm not sure he's a doctor, but I think he is. So, I didn't put him <laughs> on there, but uh, he is definitely one of the best characters that's ever been created. <laughs> Doc Brown? He's a career of the DeLorean. <laughs> he's a creator creator
2: DeLorean <laughs> 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 All right, Zach. Okay. Originally, my number one was Dr. Emily Kimberly on Southwest General, the Tootsie, these uh, uh, hospital in Tootsie. But upon re watching it, I don't think Emily Kimberly is a doctor. They all—they she's a hospital administrator. So unfortunately, I had to take her off the list. She's actually Edward Kimberly, her long-lost brother, who's there to settle a score. So is she really, you know, even wh- whatever? I, I also thought of do, uh, some Seinfeld doctors: Doctor Von Nostron, who is Kramer's alter ego. Uh, yes, Doctor Watley, Doctor uh, Pimple Pusher, who Jerry dates for a while. Um, doctor Del Cavoli on uh, Breaking Bad—he's very overpriced. Dr. Matt Fowler in the bedroom, Dr. Rumak on Airplane, but don't call me Shirley. Dr. T and the Women, not that I've ever seen that. Dr. <laughs> Steven Maturin from Master and Commander. The dude does surgery on himself, if I remember correctly, and also plays the violin. I mean, he's the he's the intellect of the show, and he's the he's the vision to Russell Crowe's uh, Wanda, if I'm trying to make a really bad joke there. I also went with Dr. Dre, Corey Hawkins, and straight out of Compton. I went with Doctor Tanya in an unmarried woman, even though you guys haven't seen that movie. That was my Doctor Larry pick. If I'm if the Todd's Doctor Larry, I went with Doctor Tanya in an unmarried woman. Great, great doctor. I went with the doctor in Goodfellas. Um, the doctor at the end of the movie who's treating Michael Henry's brother and recognizes that Henry looks super stressed. He's an African American doctor. He's only in the movie for like 20 seconds, but I really like him. Um, I also thought about Brad Pitt as the doctor in Ocean's Eleven when he tries to save. Uh, Carl Reiner, but uh, unfortunately, (laughs) uh, Dr. Carl Reiner dies. Dr. Blom in in Uncut Gems, uh, treating um, Howard Ratner's prostate. Dr. Frankenfurter from Rocky Horror Picture Show. Dr. James Spalding and Mr. Big from Cast Away. The doctor that kills the lady um, in The Verdict, not a great doctor, but hey. Um, I thought about Mrs. Doubtfire. She's not a doctor, but she does have a specialty in the Heimlich Maneuver. And finally... (laughs) I went with, um, uh, so Dewey Finn um, was a leader in unusual methods in education, and he learned his tutelage from Dr. Errol von (laughs) Straussen-Bergerbeck. That has to be considered for this list. That is digging deep. That is why we do deep dives. This is
0: beautiful.
1: Uh, There there were some good ones in there. I still think my favorite is a shout out to Sid from Toy Story though. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that, that is inspired. And...
1: <laughs> uh, all right. It is now time to pick uh to pick uh what Adam put on his list. And yeah, well let's see how this goes. I, I've been I've been switching a couple of them as we've been going along here. Uh I have a I have a top five for Adam that none of us have mentioned. No one has mentioned these five. Yeah. Okay. So here's my five I'm going with for Adam. Number five, Dr. Frazier Crane from Frazier. Number four, Frank William Abingdale from Catch Me If You Can. (laughs) Yeah, I'm surprised that
2: didn't make an appearance. Uh,
1: Number three, Dr. Ross, a.k.a. George Clooney from ER. Uh, Number two, Dr. McCoy from Star Trek. And number one, Dr. Richard Kimball from The Fugitive. Todd.
0: All right. I know he hasn't seen it, but I think he's going to have number five, Dr. Caligari from... Uh that maybe oh, mentioned a in the one. unbearable weight of massive talent. That number was, four, Dr.
2: Doc... sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh,
0: doc number four, Dr. Richard Kimball. Number three, Dr. <laughs> Evil, number two, Dr. Malcolm Crow from the Sixth Sense. Oh, Sun. that's a good one. Number yeah. one, um, Hannibal Lector.
1: Oh, yeah. Okay.
2: Uh I went number five, Doc McStuffin's, because he's a father and he probably watches Doc McStuffin's with his kid. Is that a doctor? Do we know? um
1: it's it's a little girl who has a make-believe world and is a doctor to her stuffed animals
2: okay close enough uh number four dr evil number three dr sean mcguire number two dr john hammond aka richard attenborough and in jurassic park And, and number one doc brown
1: and it all depends on what he considered a doctor i guess if he's going I don't know with
2: what the... Dr. Caligari
0: is. I can work on a doctor. But... <laughs> he's a somnambulist. Alright, no, here we go. The...
1: <clears throat> here's, here's our list here. Num- uh, honorable mentions. Uh, Dr. Ross Jennings, a.k.a. Jeff Daniels, in Arachnophobia. Uh, Dr. Jonathan Crane, Killian Murphy in Batman Begins. Uh, Dr. Rumac, Leslie Nielsen from Airplane. Dr. Alex Hesse, Arnold Schwarzenegger from Jr.,
2: Oh, <laughs> nice. Wow. I was thinking Danny DeVito and Jr. too. That's a good call.
1: Dr. Archibald Moonlight Graham, Bird Lancaster, in Field of Dreams. And Dr. Cornelius Epheson, uh, Star Wars A New Hope, the guy that bullies Luke and then gets his arm <laughs> cut off by Obi Wan in the cantina.
0: He's a doctor?
1: Apparently. Awesome.
0: Dude, and all of those we did not mention, right? No.
1: no well, no. Leslie Nielsen and Airplane was mentioned. That was it. Okay, number five. Doctor from the Big Lebowski. Maude Lebowski speaks very very highly about how thorough he performs his job. Now take off your pants.
0: Wow. <laughs> Fantastic.
1: Number four. Dr. Leo Marvin, Richard Dreyfus, and What About Bob? Best-selling author <laughs> really? of Baby Steps helps cures Bob by having his family welcome Bob into his home. <laughs> this is great. Number three, Dr. Rosenbaum, Steve Landisbeeg from from Forgetting Sarah Marshall. He may be only a pediatrician, but he's dedicated to his practice. He even has a nice fire truck for the kids to feel comfortable. He checks Peter Bredder for STDs and gives him advice about (laughs) vacation. (laughs) I completely forgot about that character. Number two, Dr. Samuel Loomis, Alexander Pleasance in Halloween. He has seen the true face of evil. When you think of this franchise, you think of Mike Myers and Dr. Loomis and number one, Dr. Hannibal Lecter. Yes. Sounds of the lambs. Dr. <laughs> Lecter has a brilliant mind that helps not only in his practice, but also tracking down other psychopaths also has a nice refined palate for the food he eats and knows what pairs perfectly <laughs> with a nice. Chianti.
0: That's good justification. It was better than mine. <laughs>
1: okay. He named off a whole but what like 10, 11 doctors and only two of them had been mentioned by us and only one of them guessed. That's that's a, yeah. that's impressive there. That's impressive. We were
0: all over the map, <laughs> even though we had multiple Merlots, right? One, yeah, one Merlot. How, two,
1: how did one, one. there were two overlaps on our list?
0: Yeah.
1: How in the world did he not have Harrison Ford from The Fugitive?
0: that's what i mean i i that was the first one i thought of i was like "Is going on adam's list
1: (laughs) yeah that one and then and then dr mccoy from star trek i thought that was a that was a sure i don't know
0: that that what character is that
1: that's like the the in the new ones it's a carl urban character uh damn it i'm not a a
0: doctor i'm not a scientist dr Malcolm crow i thought was pretty easy guess for him but that was a good that's a good one yeah that's a good one so was dr caligari I mean <laughs> that should have been a honorable mention I don't know how many so that,
1: how, he, he had quite a few like more
0: psychiatrists
2: then. I did notice but, but that. Not, Sean McGuire, which, not Sean McGuire not Sean
0: McGuire yeah yeah that was right. my win number 40 Zach Go has on. 25 and Terry has 23 and a half
1: so you get to pick our next power rankings Todd good luck
0: get to you yeah, have to <laughs>
1: It's a curse now. Not a blessing.
0: It's half fear.
1: All right. Moving on from power rankings. It's now time for trivia. Are you ready?
2: Well, let's hope so. Oh, I forgot about this. John Void is a slap in the face.
0: This is going downhill quick. Trivia.
1: Which I won last time. So I got to assign you guys something to watch. Okay, what do I want to hear about first? I think I want to hear, well, Todd just won, so we're going to hear from Todd first, and then we're going to have some fun when we hear from Zach. But Todd, I went through my list, and I I found the only movie in my top 100 you had not seen, which was my number 100. (laughs) (laughs) So tell us about what you watched.
0: Uh, so i watched sound and fury the oscar nominated documentary from 2000 directed by josh aronson and it follows this uh family where uh there's a brother who's deaf and a brother who hears and they each have children at least one of which is deaf and their parents are the the parents of the two brothers are hearing parents so the dynamics get a little complicated the cochlear implant is becoming like a real thing and they are faced with the opportunity to change the lives of their very very young children uh, to let them hear, but uh, the deaf parent is worried that it's going to prevent him from knowing about deaf culture, saying that it's almost like an identity and not like a disability, which is not exactly the way most people would think of it. Uh, it really gets you inside the head of the deaf community. Um, it's uh, I, I guess it's more personal and less broadly painted than most Oscar nominated. Uh, like documentaries probably why i didn't win but it is a really cool nomination it presents both sides of the situation it doesn't treat the implant as being like a political thing or like an overly emotional thing it lets like you observe the the sides that are being told and like decide for yourself instead of being like told what to think uh when when the grandparents are talking to their kids uh when, when she when the especially the grandmother is arguing with her deaf son about whether or not to have the implant is absolutely devastating, but it's riveting to watch. And you could just feel and see the emotions more than if they were actually screaming. It's, uh, uh, I then the side by side stories of that, along with the the hearing, uh, parent who's, uh, deciding to get the, the implant for their child, it's, um, it, it's, it's something else. And, and they have like these lines where they'll have, they'll interview one, and it'll be like, saying that it's abusive to not give the implant to the child while the other one's like saying like it's abusive to give the implant because then they'll be oblivious to, to deaf culture and you can kind of see and feel it. And as a, it's some twisty kind of documentary I haven't really ever seen. I can see how watching this around when we saw Sound of Metal would have been really profound. I loved it. Uh, it's, I mean, it's an extraordinary movie and it's it's available in its entirety on YouTube. Everyone should watch it. It's, uh, I'm actually putting in my top 10 of 2000. It's number nine. Uh, three and a half star movie, which I don't know where it brings the Terry's two thousand list. It doesn't show on our website.
1: Is it? Is not up there?
0: <coughs> but um uh, the, yeah, it, it's a fantastic movie.
1: Yeah, it was one that I yeah I watched it maybe a few months before we watched Sound of Metal, and it's one of those documentaries that just sticks with you, and especially those those arguments. And I mean, you don't unless you are see something like this, you don't know like the depths of deaf culture and what that actually means and what that actually looks like. And, and so I watched this. And then when sound of metal came out, it, it just had that much more of an impact. That's why, I mean, this is number hundred on my top hundred and sound of metals number 99 because it was, those were so closely tied together in my brain.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. And so I'm glad you liked it. And yeah, I gave it four stars. I'm, I I got to look here. Um, you
0: couldn't have had 10,000 movies on your list. I mean, you probably had a few. I,
1: no, I didn't. Well, I I had my my top tens. I need to reevaluate my top ten. Is it not on the website? It looks here like it should be. It should be in my top ten, but it's not on the website.
0: And when I looked, it was just it just on the page. Just said. Uh,
1: okay, I'll have to fix it, but it it should be in my top ten. Potentially is. Yeah, probably like number four on my top ten of two thousand. And I don't Behind. I don't think I have I don't know if all three of the ones above it are actually on my top hundred, but
0: Behind in terms almost of just pyramids and what
1: Requiem for a Dream and Castaway is number three. So it would probably fall in number four.
0: But I think I think had, I think, I think you it's had, I I don't think I had castaway on your list. On I don't think I 100.
1: did. I don't think I did. But in terms of my just pure score, it had a higher score. But I went, I didn't really truly go off a of score when I made my top 100. So that's how it ended up on the list. Anyways, well, I'm, I'm glad, glad you, you had me it. watch it. it. Yeah, yeah. I And mean, yeah. I've
0: seen yeah. all of your top 100. Apparently, that's crazy.
1: Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, it, it's 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 a brilliant film. So I'm glad I'm glad you liked it. Okay, so that was that one. Zach, you have not watched that one, right? I have not. You, you, you it's should less check than it out. 90
2: minutes. You need to watch it. Yeah, it's on it, YouTube. I mean, you could have assigned it for me, Terry. But I Tell, I could tell have. the world no. what you assigned instead.
1: So I, I decided for Zach to go. This is 25th anniversary of one of those weird guilty <laughs> pleasures. The
0: only one celebrating the 25th I know, anniversary. I know. I
1: know.
0: Wasn't it a direct-to-TV no, movie?
1: No, it wasn't. It wasn't. Are you it, Are it you just, positive? It just was always on TV. Which <laughs> is where I saw it. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't a direct
2: TV movie. It was just always on TV. It was, it it was
1: perfect. I mean, you can see it on TV as often as you like. Saw Shawshank Redemption in the early two thousands.
2: That's right. This is twenty five million dollars.
1: Guilty pleasure nineties movie. And I told Zach when I assigned it to him, I'm assigning you one of my guilty pleasure nineties movies. And he goes, I love guilty pleasure nineties movies. And so Zach is watching. Just go, go ahead, and say it, and then you can talk about it.
2: Uh, the movie is Murder at Sixteen Hundred. Directed by the great Dwight H. Little, um, also known for uh, such classics as *Broken Arrow* and *Anacondas*, uh, *The Search uh, for the Blood Orchid*. Um, <laughs> Is that a real movie?
0: <laughs> yes, I think *The Hunt for a... the Blood Orchid*.
2: <laughs> yes, I thought he had some other good credits and on Free, here, Willy, too. Look. *Free Willy* too. *Free Willy* two, yeah, that was one, and *Halloween* four: *The Return of Michael Myers*. Um, <laughs> So Murdered 1600 uh, stars uh, Diane Lane, uh, who Terry recently. Oh, that's the other reason uh, I had you watch it. Yeah. Saw in um, what was that one called? Unfaithful. Unfaithful. Yeah. I like, you know, my guilty pleasure. Diane Lane is under the Tuscan sun. I mean, when you have a marriage that you are escaping from and you just want to escape, just buy a house in Tuscany. Anyway, uh, that's a whole nother story. This movie uh, (laughs) is pretty awful. Uh, It stars Wesley Snipes and Diane Lane. Uh, Wesley Snipes plays some sort of investigator, um, and uh, I'm not really sure how he gets involved in this case. Um, At the beginning of the movie, he seems more like a suicide hotline sort of person. Um, He's a DC homicide detective. OK, well, there is a homicide at the White House in a very 90s sex scene. In the opening 30 seconds, there is a woman who dies at the White House. And uh, like I said, for some reason, he gets involved. His name is Detective Regis, which is a pretty good name. Um, one thing I did like about his character is that uh, he has a diagram. His like, passion is his diorama of the city of Washington circa 1861. And like, everything is painstakingly detailed and accurate. Now, why couldn't the movie just have been about that? Why not just show like, you know, a la Hank Schrader with his minerals, like the pain involved in ordering those pieces to make it look authentic and and to the, you know, uh, to the history and just that was was wonderful and it takes up his entire apartment. That was really fascinating. Diane Lane is the female secret service detective in a role that I don't know why it must've been turned down by Rene Russo. But uh, she is uh, involved somehow in the murder of this young woman at the White House who may have been embroiled in a sexual affair with the the president's son. Alan Alda is in this movie. Uh, There's a scene with him jogging. I've never seen a scene with Alan Alda jogging before. That was something new and interesting and different. And I think here's my hunch about this movie. The real reason why Terry likes this movie is that Dennis Miller is in it, and Dennis Miller gives off the same vibe as John Lovitz in A League of Their Own, and like they're almost the same character. And that's a Terry Stock character. Am I wrong, Terry? I mean, you Dennis you Miller movie, is
1: horrible in this movie.
2: I, he's uh, he's atrocious <laughs> in this movie, but he does have some one liners that, part of that maybe someone found funny somewhere. Um, there is another there is one good part in this movie where. Um, Best
1: part Dennis Miller
2: has his movies when he gets shot. That's true. He <laughs> he does lead the uh the the Uh, attempt to break into the White House a la Sean Connery and Nicolas Cage in The Rock. They also use underground tunnels, but when you're getting led by uh, Dennis Miller and not Sean Connery, bad results happen. So they should have taken that advice. My favorite scene in the movie is a piece of advice that Wesley Snipes gets, which is that you can always tell a lot about a man about the first section of a newspaper that he reads. And uh, Wesley Snipes apparently... First turns to the Obits section and, obituary this, man. and and uh he's told to turn to the comics section. I also like the obituary, so I could understand that. Um, this movie was just laughably off I mean, I don't know what Terry sees in it. He gave it three and a half stars, which is about as ridiculous as saying Book Smart is better than uh super bad. Uh I thought it was awful. I give it one and a half stars. I could could you even explain to me what was happening at the end of this movie? I thought they were trying to protect the president, weren't they? I'm not sure. But uh, I, the, the drummed-up '90s music, the uh, the, the low-key lighting, the the frazzled expressions of the characters, the one shots the, it was just '90. It was it was overkill '90s. And I think Dwight H. Little should have stuck more to things like Halloween 4 um, and uh, Anacondas: The Search for the Blood Diamond, and that that would have made uh, a better a better career move. Ebert liked it. He gave it. He did give it two and a half stars. Yes. <clears throat> Curiously, about his review, it only, on his website it only shows the second half of his review. But I'm so nerdy that I actually own Ebert's 1998 video book. I should have brought it out. Uh, so I actually looked up his entire review, which you really can't find except for in print in that 1998 edition. So that's wow. TMI.
1: It, yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. I. 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 I've, it's been a long time since I've seen this. I tried to watch it this week, but I ran out of time. Um, I don't know. It feels like it, it feels like just like an extended version of just any cop procedural, um, uh, TV show. But I don't know. I I I loved this movie for some reason, and I I I I, I haven't seen it probably in like ten years. But you just describing it, I'm like I still I remember more about this movie than you understood. Yeah. <laughs> so uh yeah i I, mean there's something
2: with like a north korean hostage crisis and that somehow is involving the death of this woman and it's like what it's it it tries to be like all the president's men meets the rock and it's just awful
1: well and the the whole crux of the whole thing is fun
2: awful it's not even a fun snake eyes awful it's just awful
1: oh i think it's fun uh the whole the whole crux of it is wesley snipes is a dc homicide detective homicide happens in the white house so the white house thinks that the secret service is the one that should be yeah 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 and it's, it's it. a
2: setup i get it they want and to so, him and they, they do it as a sort of a requisite sort of to, to call off any you know there's smoke their fire there's fire sort of so stuff diane lane I, I get is a it. secret service just,
1: agent that 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 is assigned to him so that he's kind of in on it but not in on it and she was an olympic sniper or sharpshooter or something. That's she was she was
2: an Olympic
1: like an archer. No, she was she was a speed shooter? shooter? Skeet? Yeah, I think so.
2: She was like Molly Bloom, you know. She had she was in the Olympics, but then crashed and went into the world of underground poker. I don't know. This movie could would have been dramatically better with uh, Nicolas Cage in it. That's all I'm saying. That could have resuscitated the movie too. Well, I just
0: saw that uh, originally Bruce Willis is supposed to be the mostly Snipes character, so that makes that makes well, some sense. Go. I remember almost nothing about this movie. I gave it two stars. Apparently, I that's about all I remember. But I do sort of remember the obituary part. <laughs>
1: <laughs> There's that random line of them. I remember of, there was
0: an important scene by an elevator, but and I, that's I Ellen it.
1: Alda and Wesley Snipes. That line came: Ellen Alda and Wesley Snipes are jogging along the National Mall, right, the reflecting pool.
2: Someone okay. should do and, a YouTube a YouTube uh, video of all the scenes in '90s movies that take place in the Oval Office. It's like every scene looks the exact same. I, they must have used the same Oval Office set for literally 30 movies. Must have. By the it's way, I asked my wife this. Wasn't Josiah Bartlett also a doctor? Could we have put him on our list too? From the West Wing? The... Oh.
1: Like never apparently you guys it. didn't watch that. We
2: never watched the West Wing. That's strange. I know. The House, but not the West Wing. Okay. I know. I think he was a doctor.
1: That's one I want to go back and actually watch. Is the
2: West He's from New Hampshire, I believe.
1: All right. Well, that was about what I expected. But there, there we go. I, I held out hope that you'd be like, you know what, this is just a fun '90s movie, because that's kind of how I, I don't know, guilty pleasure movie. All right, here's what we're doing for uh, for trivia. We've got one it was one on category. Tubi.
2: I'll give you that. It, it was it was it was, yeah. on, it, it, it it was a, the best of Tubi. It's a classic Tubi movie.
1: There you go. There you go. I have it on DVD. Um, of course. <laughs> <laughs> we, all right, trivia. We've got one category, and and you're gonna love me for this. Uh we our one category is can you name the actors that have been in an MCU movie that have been nominated for an acting oscar
0: MCU movies MCU
1: then mo- in an MCU movie That's nominated for an acting oscar it is a list that is 64 names long
0: I feel like we might have done I thought we did this list before. I
1: don't think we've done this list we've done other lists similar to it we did like X-Men movies we've done Batman movies but we've never done the MCU
2: Do does so, X-Men count as, as the MCU? No, okay. no
1: this is like Iron Man through Multiverse of Madness uh, the Disney Plus shows count because that is part of the MCU
0: are you serious? Just yes. the, just the, just those ones, not the not the other TV shows that are no. connected, like Agent no. Carter.
1: No. Well, it, uh, I don't think that really adds anybody. But if you know, come I up with one, it. I might I might give you something. Um, and I will throw this little wrinkle in. Uh, I ha- also have a list here of let's see how many is this, of eleven names of people who have uh, that are like gray area people that have either been in an MCU movie and have been nominated for an Oscar, but it wasn't for acting or they have been nominated for an acting Oscar and they're going to be in an MCU movie. Like they've been announced to be in an MCU movie. So if you say one of those, (laughs) if you say one of those, I will, uh, you can stay in the game, but you will not get a point. That's, that's what I'm, that's what I'm going with there. And I might, I might give you, like, a, a couple or a second chance or two. We'll see how it goes. So we are going to start with Zach.
2: Scarlett Johansson.
1: Scarlett Johansson is correct.
0: Uh, Robert Downey Jr.
1: Downey is correct.
2: Benedict Cumberbatch.
1: Cumberbatch is correct.
2: Gwyneth Paltrow.
1: Paltrow is correct
2: natalie portman
1: ellie portman is correct edward norton edward norton is correct
0: brie larson
1: brie lawson is correct
0: samuel jackson
1: samuel jackson is correct
2: mark ruffalo
1: mark ruffalo is correct
0: Uh, Andrew Garfield
1: Andrew Garfield is correct.
2: Josh Brolin
1: Josh Brolin is correct.
0: Let's see if I can pull some of these weird ones out. Um, uh Robert Redford Robert Redford
1: is correct. Oh that's but, right. It's a good pull. It's a good pull. Marissa Tomei Marissa Tomei is correct.
0: Uh, Tim Roth.
1: Tim Roth is correct. Is
0: that for
2: Rob Roy? Rob the Roy.
1: Yep. <laughs> I've got what they're nominated for too, and their first appearance in the MCU. If you want any of those, I
2: that's such a random Oscar nomination, but okay.
0: <laughs> it's a fantastic movie. I think it's one of my favorite, like costume drama. <laughs> uh, Michael Keaton costume drama.
1: Michael Keaton is correct.
0: That's a good one. <laughs> uh, Paul Giamatti. Paul
1: Giamatti. Is wait, no,
0: no, no, wait, no, wait. I'm thinking of the wrong, the wrong franchise now. You are, you are. So Tom, Tom's church. I'm <laughs> church is correct.
2: That's thanks that's to No Way Home. Questionable though. Okay.
1: I'll, 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 he, he saved it before I said it. So.
2: Cape yeah. Blanchette.
1: Cape Blanchett is correct. Tilda Swinton. Well, Tilda Swinton is correct.
2: Florence Pugh.
0: Nice. That's for me now. Yes, both of that is correct also.
2: William Hurt.
1: William Hurt is correct.
2: Anthony Hopkins.
1: Anthony Hopkins is correct.
0: Oh yeah. He's Odin.
1: Um. He was nominated for Silence of the Lambs.
0: Sam Rockwell.
1: <laughs> Sam Rockwell is correct.
0: Chadwick Boseman.
1: Chadwick Boseman is correct.
0: Daniel Kaluuya.
1: Daniel Kaluuya is correct.
2: Where is his name? There it is. Ben Kingsley.
1: Ben Kingsley is correct. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, that is
2: unbelievable. Oh,
1: bonus point if you can remember his character's name. <laughs>
2: the Mandarin. No, no, no. His
1: actual, his actual. Oh, uh, no idea. <laughs> uh, oh, well, oh, I had it here. Where was it? it Mickey was, Rourke. Um, yeah, that one's correct too. But hold on, I got to come up with this because it's it's too it's too funny. It's uh, where is it? Trevor Slattery. That's his name um yes mickey rourke is
0: correct how many Um, have we done
1: you that that was the 26th name you've mentioned so we're not even
0: halfway there nope (laughs) just throw out any name apparently other than (laughs) Giamatti.
2: i don't know i i think i'm losing it here um Oh, uh, um, hold on, uh, Lupita Nyong'o. Lupita Nyong'o is correct. Jake Gyllenhaal.
1: Dylan Hall is correct. God damn it!
2: Man, Todd's gonna beat me. I don't. Know. I, I. I'm pretty much giving up here. Holly Hunter. That was, Holly that was Hunter is
1: not. Yeah, but so you miss one. I but... still say
2: I won because Todd guessed Paul Giamatti.
1: <laughs> well, I was gonna give you a second chance. So.
2: Oh. So I, either yeah. way. Uh, so uh, you get a
1: second chance if if Todd comes up with another one.
2: Uh
1: Todd. Oh. Hold on. I was gonna let Todd do it first. We'll, we'll go I'm, we'll come back to you.
0: I've written down Michael Douglas and I, I think that's Michael right.
1: Douglas is correct. Ant Man.
0: That's yeah, that was what it was. <laughs> Rachel Vice. Right.
1: Rachel Vice is correct. Oh yeah. Black Widow. Constant Gardner. The favorite. Rachel Vice, <laughs> The Mummy Yeah she wasn't nominated for that though
0: <laughs> Oh okay um, I know there's some movies I'm completely just not even remembering Right now
1: There's just some big names you're missing too I'll Give it a five Four Three Two
0: Well can I say one of the ones that's not on the list Sure sure or that's that. Yeah, that's one of the side lists? Yeah, uh, just
1: and you don't you don't lose you don't uh, you stay in, but you don't get a point.
0: Like, uh, I I mean I don't remember if he's actually in it, but Taika Waititi.
1: Taika Waititi is on the side list. He voices the uh, Krog, or whatever his name is. So you're still in. You didn't lose, and you didn't use your second chance or anything, but you didn't get a point.
2: Zach. So Bradley, Bradley Cooper.
1: Bradley Cooper is correct. Voices the Rocket.
0: Sylvester Stallone.
1: Sylvester Stallone is correct.
0: Completely forgot about that series of movies.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Guardians is a thing. Uh, Zach, it's to you.
2: Um, Jim Broadbent.
1: Jim Broadbent has never been in an MC. It was a guess. It
2: was not a bad you know, guess. It a wasn't grand, a bad guess. Scheme of things. We're See right about halfway
1: through. Uh, Todd, do you have any uh, more? It's actually tied right now. And it, uh, Depending on how we look at this, you have a couple chances of getting, getting another one.
0: Man... <laughs> It's getting to that that gray area here. I'm going to say I don't have a solid answer, and I'm going to say Tom Wilkinson.
1: Tom Wilkinson has never been in an it's MCU. A good guess too, though. That is a good guess. Um. All right, I'm gonna throw out some hints, and let's see, and let's see who can answer the fastest, and and that'll break our tie. Um, you're missing an original Avenger. That now had that also had his own Disney Plus show. Wow.
0: <laughs> I don't watch the shows. I don't. Uh, I, I don't. You know? Watch. Oh, Jeremy to- Renner.
1: Jeremy Renner. Yeah. Nice. Um. <laughs> all right. We we might we might make that. Todd has Todd one, but we'll see. Uh, yeah, I think he. I think that's that was our tiebreaker there. Okay, here's the name. I'm gonna throw throw them out there. Here are the names you missed. Alfre Woodard was in Captain America: Civil War. Uh, Forrest Whitaker and oh, Black who could, Panther. Who could
2: forget Alfre Woodard? In I know Civil she War. had a,
1: <laughs> uh, it. was a very forgettable role. Uh, Stanley Tucci was in the First Avenger. Uh, Haley Steinfeld was in Hawkeye. Todd, I, you were on to something with going with the Spider-Man guys. Uh, but you forgot J.K. Simmons. Um. <laughs> oh yeah uh, john c Riley was not guardians of the galaxy Kirsten dunst
2: which you uh, counted
1: Kirsten dunst in. wasn't in uh the tom holland movie
2: right but are we counting spider-man 2002 so we're not counting that no. okay so no we're not counting no, spider-man the guys who 2012 back, either
1: the guys who came back right
2: count. okay that makes sense. so
1: like that means you could have said willem dafoe
2: that's but true yeah.
1: Uh, Michelle Pfeiffer was an Ant-Man in the Wasp. I was, was uh, going to
2: throw out Michelle Pfeiffer as a random guess.
1: How about Rachel McAdams uh, from Doctor Strange?
2: Oh. Um,
1: Jude yeah. Law from Captain Marvel. Tommy Lee Jones from The First Avenger. How about Angelina Jolie from The Eternals? Um, <laughs>
0: yeah, I forgot that movie existed.
1: <laughs> how about how about both guys that have played James Rhodes, Terrence Howard and Don Cheadle?
0: Yeah. Um,
1: Jimon Hansu was in Guardians of the Galaxy. Selma Hayek from The Eternals. Ethan Hawke was in Moon Knight. Uh, apparently. Um, if you want to count the after credit scene, then Tom Hardy in Spider-Man No Way Home when he plays uh, Venom. Uh, Richard E. Grant was in Loki. <laughs> uh, Jamie Foxx was in Spider-Man No Way Home. Lawrence Fishburne was in Ant-Man and the Wasp. Uh, Vera Farmiga was in Hawkeye. Chiwetel Ejiofor was in the Doctor Strange movies. Uh, Benicio Del Toro in Guardians. Uh, uh, Matt Damon's cameo in Thor Ragnarok as actor Loki. Nice. Um, Let's see here. Jennifer Connelly was uh, the new uh, computer voice for Iron Man in Spider-Man Homecoming. Uh, Glenn Close is in Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, Jeff Bridges in Iron Man, the original bad guy. Uh, Annette Benning in Captain Marvel. Angela Bassett in Black Panther. And the last one, which I had no idea about until I found this list. Apparently, Adriana Barraza is in one scene of the original Thor.
2: But Tom Wilkinson and Jim Broadbent aren't in any MCU movies.
1: <laughs> oh, and neither is Paul Giamatti. But he's he's like the one bad guy from the Andrew Garfield movies that didn't come back
0: because <laughs> he was like not even fully fleshed out.
1: <laughs> I know he was supposed to be the the bad guy in the third one. Instead, I mean, he became like the I think we did an admirable job in, in the Incredibles. Yeah, you did, you did. Oh, and then the the side list. You got Taika Waititi. Owen Wilson wasn't Loki. He just has a writing nomination. Uh, jim rash uh helped oh. write something what the did he descendants? Help write? yeah the descendants he is uh the the uh president of MIT and captain America Civil war that talks to tony after his presentation
2: oh, who uh forget? kumail
1: Dongiani uh has a writing oh, yeah, nomination I, I forgot about that uh jeff Goldblum has uh a, has a, like a short nomination um i did not know that yeah Julie Delpy is the one that's training the uh, Black Widows in Age of Ultron. Um, and then those that are going to be in movies, uh, Mahershala Ali is the new Blade. Uh, Olivia Coleman is going to be in a new show called Secret Invasion, surrounding Nick Fury and um, Ben Mendelsohn's character. And then Christian Bale, Russell Crowe, and Melissa McCarthy are all confirmed for Thor and Thunder.
0: Isn't that coming out in like a few weeks? Yeah, it's
1: coming out in I think it's July. But yeah.
0: They are confirmed to be in it. Yeah. But
1: Christian Bale's the main <laughs> bad guy. Okay. Yeah. Anyways, there you go. That's uh that's our trivia.
0: Okay, now Todd I have to won. pick more movies. What? I have to pick more of everything.
1: Yeah, pick more <laughs> of everything. You do. All right. Well Todd, you won, so you get to uh you get to uh give us uh your first the quote of the day.
0: Strawberries Not the cheese Womack With a little sex in it
1: Quote of the day
0: uh, It comes from Dr. Evil Who is the best doctor of all time In fictional um, <laughs> Film or TV um, And it kind of like Describes how I feel in this podcast sometimes Ladies and gentlemen welcome to my submarine lair It's long, hard <laughs> and full of semen No Nothing Not even a titter? Tough sub. Tough sub. I feel like this podcast sometimes is a
2: tough sub.
1: Well done. Well done. Zach, what's your quote?
2: My quote comes from the greatest doctor, uh, Doc Cooperman. Actually, he only has two lines, so I didn't pick any of his lines. I picked another line from this episode, (laughs) which features the late, great Estelle Harris. We're commemorating Mother's Day, both Estelle Harris and uh, Jerry's mom. I forgot her name now. But uh, she wasn't in that episode. It's getting late. All those names of MCU movies, I was tapped out. It was, like the, it was like the last 45 minutes of Murder at 1600. I don't really know what happened. Anyway, the quote I have here from the Fusilli Jerry, it's when Estelle is talking to George. She says, Georgie, I'm a divorcee. <laughs> no, you're not a divorcee. You're a separate. Well, I'm out there, Georgie. No, you're not out there. I am too. And then George says, you're not out there. You can't be because I am out there. And if I see you out there, there's not enough voltage in this world to electroshock me back into coherence. Always like that line. I think I've used <laughs> it on this line. podcast a, a, a few times. It's a good line. All Great right, episode. Quote, Top five episode of Seinfeld. My quote of the day is going to tie this whole podcast
1: together nightly in a nice, little, neat little bow. It's the one line that I actually liked from treasure planet. And it comes from, uh, it comes from a character named Dr. Doppler, who's voiced by, voiced by David Hyde Pierce, who played Nigel on Frasier.
0: I'm um, I mean, just hitting all the buttons? I, I am, I am.
1: And, and it starts out by, by parodying the line that you always get from Dr. McCoy in Star Trek. Uh, he says, Dang it, Jim, I'm an astronomer, not a doctor. I mean, I am a doctor, but I'm not that kind of doctor. I have a doctorate. It's not the same thing. You can't help people with a doctorate. You just sit there and you're useless.
2: I like the being at gym part. Uh,
1: yeah, I thought that was a great. I thought that was a great line. That was a great line. You just sit there and you're useless. All right. Well, with that, we're going to draw this podcast to a close. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll be back at you next week with another episode and a deep dive. Until then, have fun watching movies, and we'll catch you on the flip side.
0: Despite your crass behavior, I'm glad we were able to do this together.